0: Welcome back to another episode of the Vital MX Inside Line podcast. It has been a while since we've done one of these. If you check out our podcast network, we post our stuff. But myself and my very British cohort here, Lewis Phillips, uh, kind of agree that we wanted to start the year off with a little bit of a bang, a little bit of higher quality. Um, So I'm hosting today. Of course, this is Michael Lindsay and our guest for the day we're down fox racing hq and we've got the time from mr ricky carmichael yes. thanks very much
1: sir thank thanks for having me it's a great day uh great day to be here with you guys and um yeah i, I am uh, thankful to be here so with the the time span we had myself and lewis
0: were thinking about this quite a bit like mm-hmm. i mean we could sit here forever oh. and gloss your career we're both you know very fans because of our age that so were very affected by your career but because of that we narrowed it down to kind of the, the prime time, the perfect storm um, entering 2005 with James Stewart, yourself, and Chad Reed because uh, because of both of our ages. This is a, a time of your career that kind of was coming of age for, for myself and yourself as well, right, Lewis? Yeah, I feel like this is just poignant for any fan, old,
2: young, yep. middle range. Like, this is something that will be talked about forever. Right. I still reference 2006 as that is the year we all want every season. And I feel like, for whatever reason... Um, a lot of people don't give that year the way the points shaped out, the competitiveness. People don't give it enough credit. So we are going to do that. All right. And oh, also, yeah. this is scary as anything because there is a goat in the room, <laughs> and normally animals aren't allowed.
0: Right in areas <laughs> such as this, but here we are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Thank you. we'll kick it off with January first, two thousand five. Uh-huh. The perfect storm. Um, you not having raced uh, Supercross yep. in a while. And then coming to Suzuki, mm-hmm. Jayama James moving to the big bike class. It, yep. it really is the perfect oh, storm. Definitely. So, yeah. what was it like? It came that date. Where
1: where were you at uh, mentally coming into the season? Would you yeah you a flashback? Uh, well, you know, if, if you think about it, there was so many emotions and thoughts running through my head because the last time that I had raced Supercross, um, I was just getting handled by Chad Reed. You know, in two thousand three. I mean. Ba- Essentially, from basically 2003 at Daytona. After that, I'd never won a Supercross race. Didn't win the. Didn't win anything from that point on in Supercross until what would have been uh, the next week after um, after after Anaheim in 2005. So almost two years, just shy of two years. So I was thinking about that stuff. You know, it was it was, it was a long time since I had won a Supercross. Um, but the, the competitor in me and the, and playing the long game, I knew that, uh, you know, same thing that I'd always done. I knew where I needed to be at certain points of the season. Uh, so trying to manage all of those emotions and thoughts, it was, it was, um, it was a lot. And then you, then you go to, you know, the, the fact that I was on Suzuki, um, some would say that was a career ending move, but, um, physically. And like and and the physical the, the physicality end of it, <clears throat> I was great. Um, the bike was great. Uh, a lot of people didn't know how well the bike was working for me, other than you know my inner crew. Um, but yeah, I, I was ready to go physically and mentally.
2: Truthfully, then coming into two thousand and five, mm-hmm. before Anaheim won, before there were results, were you thinking to yourself, "I'm the man. I know I'm the man," or were you maybe even questioning, "Well, Chad was this good?" two years ago. He's now had a full season. He's got a title. He's got momentum. He's on the same bike you weren't. Um, were you actually questioning whether maybe Chad was just better at that point?
1: Great question. No, I actually was like, I was really motivated for the challenge because I knew my bike was better and I knew he was on the same bike as he was when he was kicking my ass. So I was like, okay, game on. I'll have no excuses. If, if, I know I'm on a bike just as good as him because it was basically the engine was basically a copy yeah. of the YZ, and I'm like, okay, there's no excuses, mono mono, and I'm gonna, it, it's time to get it on. So yeah, I was I was ready to go. I was really really motivated, and I wanted to see what I could do on the same bike as him, basically on the same bike as him.
2: Does that mean then that you knew that you actually had to get off the Honda? to reach that level. You knew that you could stay at Honda, it would have been comfortable, you would have known what you were getting yourself into, but you also would have known it wouldn't have been enough.
1: I knew that going into the 2004 Supercross Series, I was going to race the uh, the the 450 yeah. because it had the power curve, the torque, and everything that I was looking for and was wanting out of that CR250, that 03 CR250. And um, the Japanese engineers from honda had come over after the 2003 season and they're like hey uh they told us they're like you know for the 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 power that you're looking for and the power that you want we're not going to be able to to give that to you on the two-stroke you just need to ride the four-stroke so i rode the four-stroke and uh i was immediately better like second and a half average um which back then was was you know that's a lot today um, you you could never find that that kind of time today, but uh, back then that was like the gaps, you know. So anyhow, uh, I had a lot better, uh, faster average. So anyhow, fast forward. I knew that uh, the Honda deal didn't work out, so I knew I had to be on something uh, very close to that YZ, and that that's how I ended up. So I knew I was going to be. I had a really good chance, and I was ready for the challenge, and wanted to see how I'd stack up against him. Uh, as far as James goes. Uh, I knew he was going to be fast, but I was more concerned on for, for, from a long game standpoint about uh, Chad. I knew he was going to be the guy that was going to be there from round one all the way through to the end at Vegas.
0: So digging in a little more behind the scenes coming into, into that season, again, a lot of people questioned your move to Suzuki. But I know from talking to you before, the amount of studying you did to get on that oh, bike, yeah. again, people – just saw what they saw. Mm -hmm. How how did you come to the decision that the bike was good before you got there? You know, did you talk to people there? Was it just watching race footage? How much was it discussing with Roger? And then also beyond that, even though Chad was a Yamaha, that was the first year of aluminum frame for him, which in retrospect, if he talks about negatively, you know, through – through back channels through people, did you hear any comments coming into the season that Chad might be struggling? Was there was there any information? Was everybody at that era really shut off, or you didn't hear anything from anyone else's camp?
1: I didn't hear anything about Chad struggling in the off season, and you know this would be a great conversation to have with him. It's like wh- maybe he wasn't struggling, maybe, and and I don't think he knew where I was either. I think we, neither of us knew where where we were, where each other were. I knew where I was. I knew how I felt, and I'm like, I feel pretty good. I feel like I have a good chance to challenge him, and I know I'm better on this bike than I was on in, in 03, So bring it on. He's going to have to be substantially better because I knew that that Suzuki was filling in the gaps of of my shortfalls in two thousand three. So he was going to have to be better where I was already better than him, and and you know, and and I felt like I had filled the gaps going back to uh, the Suzuki yes I studied a lot I was watching on the track down on the track and be, believe it or not listening listening a lot listening to the bike watching it and and you could just hear hear the bike the tone of it um it it, it just it, it was where I thought it need, what what I needed and then once contract negotiations started to happen um long depth conversations with Roger and Ian uh and them explaining everything and the engine and what things were going to be like it, everything kind of made sense and those the, the studying that I had done and listening and watching were were making more and more sense and just confirming what I thought and how that bike would be
0: one last one before we really get into the racing at least from my perspective is the bike decision you said if you would have stayed at honda you would have been on a four stroke of course for the fan base it's really cool because we got one more season we got one season of chad ricky james all on 252 strokes which is absolutely epic why not suzuki 450 and then follow up to that is do you think it maybe would have been any different if you would have raced a, a honda 450 did you feel like the suzuki 252 stroke was as good as the honda 450 you tested or do you think you might have still had something a little extra if you could have gone 450 a year earlier than those guys
1: I think I would have had something a little extra. I mean, I liked that from the moment I rode that four fifty, that Honda four fifty. You we when we had decided to say, okay, we're going, we're going four fifty racing on the four. We're, we're going to race the four stroke. It was an instant attitude change. Um, the only real concerns I had was that it was it, it was just heavy feeling and wasn't that nimble, but it had the engine. and and the power curve and the torque that I was really looking for. So, I mean, there was a sense of confidence that I had and I, and I was ready to tackle it. So, uh, and and that was really my best option that I, I would have had to, to win championships because it wasn't going to be on that two stroke. There's no doubt about that. And, and we knew that, uh, the, well, I had already raced the, um, the four stroke, um, outdoors, but, we knew that the outdoors, you had to be on a four-stroke. So, um, why not the Suzuki 450 and Supercross? I mean, it was they, they had just—I mean, it was a prototype actually, and it wasn't ready to go, uh, and it needed quite a bit of work. And I wanted to be in Supercross. I still wanted to be. I at the time, the two-stroke was still the dominant bike and the, the bike of choice.
2: Uh, getting into the 2005 season, obviously the perfect storm, as everyone called it. Anaheim 1 was a mudder, oh. so a literal storm. And then practice at round two, James got hurt. So there was all this hype, and quickly things started to fall apart. But I'm guessing from what you've already said, despite all of that, you were mainly focused on Chad because oh, yeah. you knew that was the guy.
1: Yeah, that, w- that was the guy because he's the last guy that would basically He almost took me down in 2003. So I had a lot of – I wanted redemption bad, like right? I'm sorry like because – I felt like I had my reasons of why he was kicking my ass in 2003, and I wanted to prove to everyone and myself, like, listen, this is the only reason this mother ever beat me, right, is because of this. And uh, not to take anything away from him, he is a bad dude and a fierce competitor. But, I mean, he had a really nice advantage, right, not, not, not only from the motorcycle standpoint, Um, but I mean, I mean, he even had the tires, you know, Bridgestone, I was on the Dunlops and I mean, he just, it was, he was so well-rounded. So I was ready to go, man. Uh, but yeah, Atlanta was, or, uh, Anaheim was a complete mutter. And I always look back, that was the Anaheim opener that got away. And that was completely on me, a complete, uh, out of character rookie mistake, if you will. I just I, I got ahead of myself. I was winning, had a massive lead early on. I was jumping that triple that no one else was really doing, and uh, yeah, I just I, I honestly, I tried to be a hero, and um, yeah it, 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 it didn't work out well. When you
0: say hero again, just with the relationship or the competitiveness between you and Chad at the point, were you just trying to prove a point that bad at the opener?
1: No, it had nothing to do with Chad. I was just like, I was feeling it, and I was just, I was just like that was a, that was more of a me issue and and a, and a, and a battle with myself personally, because Chad was nowhere to be found. I was just kind of had my for that particular race. I, I had my sights where or, or, or Wyndham was there, and I knew him like okay, he he is a really good mud rider, and there's a good chance that he he could challenge me. So I was just trying to gap him. I knew, and I knew I had Chad covered because I was kind of looking at my peripheral vision and I could see Chad was having his difficulties. So um, yeah, just trying to pull a lead and um, uh, that that ego got me.
2: I um I have never asked this of a guy because I never thought it mattered, but you kind of hinted at it there. The fact you never won A1, was that on your mind when you were racing, when you were going into 2005? And does it even bother you now? Because I look at it as... You won championships. Who yeah, cares? Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: But is it something that bugs you? Uh, looking back now, yeah. yes. I'm like, damn it. I wish I would have won that one. But at the time, I wasn't necessarily focused on winning Anaheim one. No, I just wanted to win the race. I didn't care. It could have been five races into yeah. the season and the uh, same situation it had nothing to do with the opening round.
0: Do you find it funny that Eli Tomac just finally won a one? Because we same thing bring up to him in the press conference, and he's like, "Ah, it's it's just a win." But up until that point, he didn't have that statistic. He might feel a little differently, like you did, if the the career went by and he hadn't gotten it.
1: Yeah, I that's what I think. There's there's certain things what I've learned about you know retirement from racing is the older you get and you start looking back, you're like it's a time you, you get to reflect on the great things that you did and and, and you accomplished and then there's other times where you know you, you reflect on the things that you didn't do well. so it's 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 a both ways it's a two-way street but I think that um, yeah it's just a win right but 10 years from now when when we're talking and Eli's talking and and he's reminiscing about the things that he's accomplished, this is one of the ones he's gonna be like, damn, that was awesome. I'm glad I got that win. I wish I would have. in the grand scheme of things, does it really matter? No, but when we're talking and statistics and all that, yeah, it'd be nice, like, damn, yeah, I won the I won the opener.
2: Although, um
1: although A one was a mudder,
2: maybe just how good you were before you fell was a precursor of what was to come because obviously you had five wins in a row after that. Um was that Did a surprise? Really? Yeah. Phoenix. Is on. that wait, are you being serious? You yeah, that is used know. to you. Okay. Well, there were five wins in a row after that. um, (laughs) um, Um, at that point, like were you maybe as confident as ever? And clearly I guess it surprised you back then because you're surprised now. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Wow. I didn't realize that. Um, yeah. Uh, it didn't surprise me, um, in a way, because like I said, I was so confident about that motorcycle and, um, a lot of it, you know, it was almost like a flashback to two thousand three because I gained a lot of points on chat at the beginning of the season, yeah. and um, yeah, it, it didn't come as a surprise. It was it was just a fantastic feeling, and what was really cool. I, I remember I was more happy like after the first win, the second, or after second and third win, I was really excited for the team rather than myself because you know I would had I was very fortunate had a lot of success. Um up until this point that I was just happy for them, you know, that they were able to get these wins and, 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 and enjoy this success. Speaking of the
0: team, where was their confidence level coming into the season? Like, did you still feel like you need to prove to them, to the rest of the team? Like, Hey, we have what it takes. Could you see their energy change through the opening rounds and and the effort and excitement between all those guys?
1: That's great. Yeah, absolutely. You, you could see their confidence rising, um, I feel like they, they had an idea, and a sense that they had, and we had what it took to get the job done. But I'm not sure if they actually believed it, you know. And then we go like, you know, we 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 start reeling off some wins, and we we have great speed. You can you could see their confidence rising five six rounds into it. Like shit, man, this is this is for real, you know. This is for real. And then they just kept elevating and elevating and elevating.
2: Have they ever said to you now, like, um, yeah, we in the preseason of '05, we were telling you we were good and we had this, but we weren't as confident as we thought.
1: Like, <laughs> uh, have they ever told you that years old? No, they they haven't. And you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna ask those guys this week. I'm going to say, hey, in 2000 going in 2005, did you think we were gonna do what we did? I imagine they, they would you. probably say no. I didn't. I didn't. I knew that we had a great chance to win, um, but I didn't. I didn't think that we would have been as as successful as we were.
0: So getting into that opening stretch, you did reel off five wins in a row. And one of them actually surprised me when we were looking back is I forgot that it went, um, a one Phoenix, a two San Fran, a three. Then we went to Indy before we went to San Diego five. We had one East round shoved
1: in there. Oh, I was, I was thinking when you guys told me, wait, five in a row. Wait, yeah. What?
0: Yeah. I had to go double check AMA archive. Cause I was like, wait, Indy was between a two and San Diego. So we had an East round in there. So as we get into that stretch of, of you reeling off wins, how do you feel like the dynamic was between you and Chad? Did it the attitude towards each other, like just the way he's carrying himself, did you notice much of a difference after those first couple of rounds?
1: Well, I did. So it was funny because <laughs> that was, as to your point, Michael, is that, that, that was the first year on the uh, aluminum chassis. And I remember when we came back to Anaheim, I believe it was after Phoenix, Uh, You could see, like, one practice he'd have a skid plate on his bike, and then the next practice he wouldn't have a skid plate on his bike. And I, like, I, and, and you have to understand, like, I grew up all on steel chassis. And then when I went to Honda aluminum, aluminum chassis and experimenting all that stuff of what works, what doesn't work, you know, I'm looking for flex, you know, I'm taking this off of the bike. I'm putting this on the bike to try to, to try to get that aluminum chassis to work. When I saw them guys struggling and, and doing things like that, I knew that they're in a tough spot and I'm like, oh, okay. And, and it's funny because, uh, you know, Mike Gossler and I, we would we would make comments about it, and and like, oh yeah, they 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 weren't in a happy spot. You could see that, and and we were in a great spot. I mean, we weren't changing anything on our motorcycle. It was it was so good. So yeah, now we're three or four races in, and when you can see that they were searching, we were in a great spot, and at that point when I saw that, it was like blood in the water. So then I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to stack as many points up at the beginning of the season as possible, because eventually they're going to figure it out. Their their, their setting is going to get better. They're going to figure out, okay, okay, we found this, you know, whether it be this on a chassis, or we found a suspension setting that's working really well for us. I knew that if I could stack as many points up early, that it's going to be tough for them to get us.
0: So in that time and era, like, is this just stuff you're observing or cause I think of it now as a media guy, I go kind of wander to some teams and I have some teams like, Hey, I heard this team's trying this. Can you shoot a photo? Like there's a lot of little chatter trying to get information moved around. Is this just stuff you guys are noticing down the starting line or kind of same thing? Do you have people coming up to the pits going, man, they're they're chasing their tail this week and they're throwing stuff left and right at this bike. And you guys are all sitting there kind of rubbing the hands together, like,
1: yes. Yeah, it was no, it was more stuff that we would just visually see on the weekends. And, um, you know, it, it's kind of boring. Like, on, on, I feel like my my story is a little boring for stuff like that, and, and like if there was any kind of dirt or anything <laughs> like that, because I really didn't, I really didn't give a shit about like uh, about dirt and like what what this guy was doing or hey they they tried this this week during practice. Like, I didn't I didn't care, and and a lot of it comes from my upbringing. I I did what I knew I could do. They're going to – my competitors, they're going to be trying things. They're going to be doing things. But all I know is I'm going to do what I think is best for me. I'm going to control what I can control. And you know what? Whatever my competitors are doing, whether it was James or Chad or early on in the years with Kevin and 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 all those guys, it did, it did they're going to do what they're going to do. I need to focus on what I need to do. And, you know, may the best man win.
0: Do you think that dynamic is – missing from today's racing with so many riders that train together, do facilities and stuff. Cause now it's little drama times. I talked to riders. Oh, I saw this guy doing this this week, or I was talking to such and such. And you struggle. I rode with this guy last week where you kind of had your own thing. You had some training partners, but yeah. I feel like very much there, there's very few guys anymore that I feel like really focus on themselves and, and keep as much chatter out.
1: Yeah. So I feel like today's today's world. And I feel like it, it's a, it, it it's a great thing because they all have we're seeing a, a generation that has come up through riding at a facility with everyone that's why i feel like a lot of these guys do a lot of the same stuff because they're just mimicking each other right so um it like i said it's great for racing but then there's no real individuality if you if you think about it and and what's ironic is you look at the guys that are winning championships multiple championships okay those are the guys that have grown up not riding at facilities for the most part I mean Eli tomac hasn't maybe cooper Webb um, but I I mean the Lawrence brothers they didn't grow up at a facility a facility so you you start looking and deep doing a deep dive you're like wow so I still think there's an element to riding by yourself and doing your own thing and uh, yeah I so I know it's I didn't directly answer your question but I don't feel it's necessarily the guys saying, oh, I saw this guy do this this week or I saw this guy do that last week. I think it's more along the lines of they do the same shit. So where, you know, like at that point, it just becomes who's a gamer and who isn't like who can show up on game day and make it happen. Because, like I said, they're they're riding together. So what's going to be the difference? I think it's the guy who has the mental capacity to go out there and make it happen on race day.
2: So, um you won five in a row and obviously everything was going your direction at that point. Um that brings us to San Diego, which I tell everyone I believe is the best race I've ever watched. Really? Because just for the dynamic, the fact that Chad was really almost out of it at that point. Like all the momentum was with you. Um you had a five, six second gap. You no one runs Ricky Carmichael down. Yeah. Um what do you remember from that night and like Chad closing in on you, the pass even. I feel like that maybe would have caught you from surpri- uh, caught you by yeah. as a surprise.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, it was like slow death. I could see <laughs> him coming. I could see him coming. I'm like crap. And uh, there was a long set of whoops as well. And and I, I was never as good as uh, as Chad in the whoops even. You know, even, even when I had, you know, when I was on the RM250, which I thought for me was, it was a good bike through the whoops, but I still wasn't as good as Chad. So and Chad, I mean, he had won at San Diego so many times. So from a mental capacity, you know, he, I knew, I knew my back was against the wall. Even going into that race, even though I had won five, I was basically, I'm like, okay, he's more than likely. He's probably going to beat me. Uh, and I was I was ready to give it up, but I had come so close, and I was riding so well that night, and I was in the moment. I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna man, this is gonna be great. I'm gonna win." And then I saw him closing, like, uh So I just took my medicine. You know, I'm like, "I'm not gonna override, and I'll take a second tonight." Uh, but it got down to the wire, so the dynamic kind of shifted. I'm like, "Well." I'm going to take my – going into the race, I'm like, I'll just – it's cool. I got five in a row. I'll take second. And then, like, I'm in a position where, oh, shit, I might win this thing when I was in the actual race. And then I saw him catching me, and then I'm like, okay, no, I'll take second. Well, then we got down to the wire, like, the last few laps. And I'm like, damn, I still have a chance to win. So then my pride wasn't going to let me get second. And in the last um, – I had a plan to pass him. I said, okay, I am going to – Give it everything I got through the whoops, and then there was like a little single, and then a one eighty hairpin turn, like a little rut turn. Yep. Said I'm gonna go wide open through the whoops. If I make it through the whoops, I'm going to make sure that I'm on the inside of him going into that left, and I am going to barsha him. I'm going to push him <laughs> off. The, I'm pushing him off the track, and I'm gonna win this damn race. And uh, yep, yeah. so I come out of that right hander before the whoops, and I just full send. So the whoops didn't hang on to it, went down, and my plan didn't work out. But that that was my plan, uh, as, like that I made up in my head the last two laps.
2: I guess the biggest concern for you at that point would have been as well giving Chad confidence because that's what he thrives off of. Yep. Like even watching the highlights from that race now, I can pinpoint the exact moment that he thought, I can win this because his body language just changes, mm-hmm. and obviously that is his biggest,
1: um, his yeah, biggest strength. It is his that was his biggest strength is is get him getting confidence and him knowing. And the crazy thing was there were times where he wasn't the best guy like physically, but mentally he could talk himself into winning. It was the damnest thing you've ever seen, and um, there would be times where I'm like, well, fuck, I got him today. And then all of a sudden, like even like after the heat race, he 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 was like riding like crap in the heat race. I'm like, dude, I got him the night. Next thing you know, freaking we're 10 laps in in the main event and he's right up my ass, you know, just I, could, I couldn't shake him. And then, yeah, he was – I really admired how he was able to do that, just like turn things around and basically talk himself into being the guy and he, he was going to win. And, yes – I wasn't worried about, I didn't want him to, I didn't want to give him confidence, of course, but I was, I was confident and that, that I could respond. Even if he had won that night, I could respond the next weekend. So I use the
0: Chad Reed comparison a lot when we talk about web and even occasionally with Kenny people that can will themselves somehow to do yeah. things you think that are not possible. Um, and again, I think sometimes that gets overlooked with Chad. It is truly mind blowing when you hear some of the stories, even some of the wilder ones, like going out the night before it's like, how did you show up and make it happen the next day? And where I'm curious throughout your career and even before and after what you watch, have you ever met anyone that quite, it quite makes that like, again, I use the comparison for web sometimes, but I feel like Chad is on top of the mantle of the guy that can pull that off.
1: hundred percent Chad Reed. There's not been, and I have a tremendous amount of respect for both Cooper and Chad, but I feel like Chad takes that title of being able to will himself, as you would say, into winning 120%. I've never seen another guy in the history of the sport, at least in my era, or the modern-day era, be able to do that. It's the damnest thing you've ever seen. Hell, he did it when he had 2-2 two, two motorsports. Yeah. And you, you think about that. It's like there's no way this guy is winning. And then the next thing you know, he just fuck, he clicks in the afterburners. What's scary is somebody with that
0: kind of mentality, you look at him and go, man, if he would have been good at any other sport, uh, it's, just, it's not a talent thing at that point. No. Like you said, it's somehow a willpower that it, it's just unfathomable. Like you yeah. cannot – it's not statistics. You can't put it down on paper. But it's also very obvious. You can physically see it happen.
1: You can, th- that is one thing that you, you can't teach. Like, right, you can you can teach people how to ride and, y- you know, you can give them pointers. And uh, like Johnny O and I have, have had these conversations, like he's helped a lot of great athletes along the way. I'm like, well, dude, didn't you like tell him what you used to tell me and blah, blah, blah. He's like, yeah. And then now, like when we had RCH and then, Helping other riders that have come along through through at the goat farm and everything like there's the you can give them all the knowledge in the world but some things you just can't teach and that was the one thing like Chad had it's like it was the damnedest thing and it was really 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 hard to beat as soon as he was able to flip that switch he was tough to beat
2: was it um was it business as usual for you then after San Diego or were you more thinking a little bit more, a bit more concerned, maybe putting in an extra lap here and there?
1: So I wasn't putting in extra laps. So my my goal was if I could get the 25-point lead to leave Daytona with a 25-point lead because then I started like retracting points, right? I'm like, okay, if we get through Daytona and I can get X amount of thirds, X amount of seconds, and maybe throw in a win, which is just going to be like extra credit, I'll win the championship. So that was my thing and I knew I was coming up to some good tracks. I knew I was coming up to St. Louis. I knew I was coming up for Atlanta. I knew I was coming up for Daytona. So I had already I already had 3 more races that I was really looking forward to. And um that was so yeah, I'm like, "Okay, well, I know I'm at least going to be I have a really good shot to win Atlanta. I have a really good shot to win Daytona and I have a really good shot to win st louis and ended up doing atlanta ended up doing uh st louis uh so to answer your question that 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 was that was my mindset yeah. leaving san diego
0: so uh, i can't remember if it was a fan or somebody asked me about this weekend mm-hmm. we're at san diego we're at a new location but we kind of talked about chad always being good at san diego no matter if it was a qualcomm even when it was a petco he was good more of an energy thing so when you talk about like an atlanta and a st louis is it dirt is it the way the floor is laid out or is it just after a while is it just a, a thing about the location it's just a mental thing that you know i just get it done here
1: Yeah, it's it, it is a, just a thing like i would walk into the atlanta georgia dome and just the smell of it you're like oh yeah it's gonna be a good night it's gonna be a good night same with st louis you know i just something about that i walk in that place and i'm like man it is just gonna be game on and then of course daytona um, you know, I, I go there and and it's more of an outdoor race, right? More of an outdoor motocross. It's a it's a hybrid, It'd almost be like today an, an SMX race, you know, hybrid track. So I, I yeah to to answer your to answer your question, it's just you walk in there and you just get this vibe and this feel. And for me, it's like the dirt, uh, the history there and of the success that I had had there. I mean, Atlanta. I mean, I won my first Supercross race uh, in 1998 or 97, the 125 class. So I had that going, and my record there was really, really good. Daytona speaks for itself, and then um, there's a lot of great things that I had done at St. Louis up to that point as well. So all those, those three venues uh, were special for those reasons, and I feel like, yes, there, there were certain stadiums and venues that you go to, and you just knew it was going to be a good weekend because of those reasons
2: part of the reason I look at San Diego as the best race ever is because of what it led into, which was Atlanta, which was a complete flip of what we saw one week earlier. Right. Um, I guess you look back on that and you're like, yeah, that that's right. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it was awesome. That race was so good. And I still rub it in, rub it in, uh, Chad's face once in a while. Like I passed him. Didn't I pass him in the same turn twice? Yeah. I believe passed right?
2: him, fell and then got him in the same spot.
1: again. <laughs> that's right. And, uh, that was great, but uh, then he always gets me, he's like, yeah, but I kicked your ass the next weekend in Daytona, which he certainly did. Um, that was, yeah, that was just an epic battle at Atlanta. Listen, at this level, especially a guy like Chad Reed, when you're racing and and you pass him, you go down, you pass him again, that is, rarely can you do that, you know, spot a competitor of of his, na- of his nature of his talent, and just how accomplished he is to be able to do that and still win was was a special night and uh, it 's crazy because then I go back to you got the, then the the, and the emotions and the thoughts of going back to you go back to two thousand and three, where there is no way in hell I would have been <laughs> able to do that right he was just that that 's how far behind I was, I think like on the motorcycle side of things. So I I couldn't believe what I was doing almost. I'm like, wow, there's no way I would have been able to do this in 2003. That's the level that uh, the Suzuki had brought me to.
0: What's the interaction like between you and Chad kind of in between these races? Are you two really cordial on the podium? Is there frustration? Like even in San Diego when you get beat – can you hold the emotion back or do, do you think you may have let him show a little bit that it irritated, you know, that you're frustrated, you get beat. Do you see it from him the next week? And when you pass him twice in the same race, or again, are you two such per se gladiators at this point that you're keeping it to yourself? It's just a handshake on a podium and then wander off.
1: No, I think at that point, um, you know, I think from a competitor standpoint, we were in great, we were in great spots. It's like, you got me today and then you know, obviously, we're pissed off. There's no doubt we want to win. We're fierce competitors, but at the same time, it's like, okay, you got me today, and then I got him in Atlanta, you know, and then he got me at Daytona. It's like back and forth, back and forth. It's I think we were we were not necessarily pissed at the person for beating us. We're pissed at ourselves because we didn't get the result that we wanted because a, either a we made a mistake or b we fell we fell short. We just didn't have the speed. So I can't speak for Chad on this level, but that's what I was just more disappointed at myself, San Diego, of why I got beat and what I could have done, done differently, like on the podium, and just giving him respect, like, hey, great job, you kicked my ass tonight. And I would feel that, like I said, that's why I can't speak for Chad, but I feel he would be the same way, like Atlanta. Is he, is, is he pissed that I beat him? Of course he is. But is he more mad at himself for not making an adjustment to get the job done. That's, that's kind of how it was at that stage for me, at least.
0: So we get to Daytona and I feel like something that you've made as a famous term is everybody says, you know, championship doesn't start till Daytona. And that's something everybody Mm -hmm. comments about you saying you touched on a little bit earlier, but for you, when you say that, is it because of where you're on the season? Is this statistics thing? Is it because of the tracks coming up or is it also like by then, you know, things have kind of settled in. Why do you always say that? Um, for you personally, and again, I think it means a lot today because, again, we even talk about in media sometimes we use that joke like, "Oh, you know, championship doesn't start till Daytona."
1: Yeah, because I I feel like from the from half the season on, I mean, like talk about NFL, you know, you, you, the the I heard <laughs> I heard a, a, a comment from one of the analysis, analysts about Bill Bill uh, Belichick and and Brady always said the season doesn't start until seven seven games. 7 games into the season's when it really when it really matters. And you think about it, if you can just maintain up until Daytona and be in a position to where you can fight for the championship, that's when it's time to go right after that. Anything before Daytona for me was always gravy because I felt like you really had to perform because after Daytona like the races start winding down, and the series winds down real quick. So you don't have a lot of time to make up for for hiccups and mistakes. And that's why I, it's it's important to execute the whole series, but you can't cover up your mistakes after that. the latter half of the season. That's why I say that. It's time to – so for me, if I came in and I had a 25-point lead after Daytona, I had to really be smart and manage the lead that I had, and be precise, be calculated. Don't take any necessary risks, and really be laser focused on what I need to do to get that championship. And if I was behind in points or not where I needed to be, okay, I need to go execute. I need to win these many races. I can I can only get these these many seconds, and maybe a third here or there. And that's that's why I feel you know when when you when. When you're headed down the stretch like that, that's where it's time to shine. That's why I say that.
2: I don't think it could be understated the level that you got to um, early in 2005. Like going back to San Diego again quickly, you and Chad lapped up to fourth, I think. But really, third was right there. So you can say you both lapped the entire field. Um, that's unheard of. Like So the level that you both got to was phenomenal. And that also makes what you did in Atlanta even more remarkable.
1: Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And I don't... The level that we were riding, and I go back to not only, yeah, San Diego, but then Atlanta. Yeah, that, that level that we were riding at was absolutely incredible. But at the same time, it almost felt effortless. It truly did. It just, you know, thing, things are happening so fast, but it was almost like it was in slow motion. And um, I go back to, I know I'm jumping forward, but the, this it, I had the same kind of feeling at Orlando, my final professional supercross race with James, The level that we were riding at was so high. But at the same time, it felt like everything was in slow motion.
2: Um, You mentioned Daytona, the season starting there and whatnot. That obviously is a mindset that works. But how do you also manage that whilst keeping your pride at bay? Because obviously Chad beat you in Daytona, which must have hurt. Then James was coming back. So there's all this noise, hype. Can Ricky beat James? Can James beat Ricky? When really at that point following your mantra of a season starting in Daytona, you don't care because you've done your
1: work. You're exactly right. I didn't care about James. And actually I was using James as a, I was wanting to use him as a tool to try to, to try to get in between Chad and I. Yeah. So it, you know, it could have worked against me as well. You know, he, you know, uh, let's see here, Chad, win. James gets second, I get third. um, so I wasn't, yeah, I, w- I wasn't concerned about James. I was going to, I wasn't going to use him to my advantage at that point in, in, in the series. I was bummed, uh, about Atlanta, a couple things. I feel like I got a little overconfident. Things were going great. You know, I don't, I'd went on that five race win streak. Like you'd said, you get, you reminded me of, I got beat at San Diego, but it was a close loss. You know, it's not like I completely got my butt whipped. And then I come back the next weekend, boom, and, and, I, and I win. Um, we changed a couple things going into uh, Daytona on the engine um, that I th- at the time I thought was better, and um, we should have just stuck with what we had because how uh, the, the engine change that we made really affected how the chassis was working. And um I shouldn't have done that going into going into Atlanta. I should have kept what we had, but hindsight's always twenty twenty.
0: So after St. Louis, you have four races in a row where you get seconds. So it's like a little bit of a mix there. You've got Chad pulling some wins, you have James getting in the mix pulling some wins, so it's not getting second every weekend isn't bad. You're not always losing points to to Chad. And as you said, James is kind of a little out of sight of mine at this point, a little bit of a tool at times. You don't win at all the rest of that season. Yes, you you manage the championship, but like we talked about earlier, at any point as that goes down, you're like, well, I'm getting the championship, but letting Chad pick up race wins is dangerous going forward, even for his confidences. Do you only care about the title at that point, or when you do see Chad pick up wins, are you getting nervous for just the position it's going to put him forth going even into the following season?
1: I was a little <clears throat> disappointed that I couldn't win more races there but then there was also times where yeah those guys were winning and there was four races that I didn't um didn't didn't get the job done you know like didn't win or didn't win at all but there were still times that I was still beating Chad but I would but James would beat me so I was okay with that you know like I it wasn't like 2003 where he was just absolutely kicking my ass. I'm, I'm looking at it, like if you're looking at it from my standpoint in 2005, yes, JS would beat me, but I would still beat Chad. And so for me, it was, it was like a win, right? If James won, I got second, Chad got third, i I'm in my mind, I'm like, yeah. perfect. I'm, I'm stacking points still, and um, this is great you know and and if you look at i believe i'd have to go back and i'd have to go back and look at the <clears throat> points but where i was from a points perspective leaving daytona what did we end the championship up like what was the points like at the end when i had wrapped the championship up i think i won with a race to go and if I had a 25 plus point lead,
2: what would. Leaving be? Daytona, Reed was on 207 and you were on 239. So what's that? 20. My math has just gone out the window. Okay, so I had 20, I had 237. He had. You had 239. He had 207.
1: So that was 32, 32 points. 32 that's, points.
2: That's even better. That's ahead of schedule. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'm ahead
0: of schedule. And then what did we end on? You ended on 367 and Chad on 342.
1: Okay. So, so you didn't beat him by
0: one race, right? 25 points.
1: Yeah. So he gained I only lost, you know, what, 6 points to yeah. him from on the, the latter part of the season. Mm-hmm. So for me, I I held him pretty close. And I like massive difference from 2003. So like like I said, I I really dug into stuff like that and if you look at it, you just don't look at it from the surface, you dig deep. To me, that was pretty that that was really solid for me.
0: Now, as we start to wind down the Supercross season, your main competitor is about to change. Mm-hmm. It's going from you having to think about Chad every weekend. James is out of sight of mind, but he's about to come square into your mind. You come outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of those races, again, where you're using him as a tool in a, in, in a sense, but you're seeing how he can ride. Are you so focused on Supercross that this doesn't cross your mind? Or are you starting to think, oh, man, outdoors with him? Oh,
1: yeah. Well, <clears throat> I knew that I was in great shape, and it was his rookie year. I knew he was going to be fast, and I i really—I wasn't underestimating him. I knew what his abilities were, but I liked my chances better. I knew I was in better shape than he was. I knew I was going to be on a 450, and he was going to be on that two-stroke. And it's funny, we've had conversations about it like – there were times looking back, I honestly am like, dude, that that poor guy. I feel so bad for him. He is just getting annihilated by our horsepower and our torque that these four fifties have compared to the two fifties. And really he it was an uphill battle for him. He was going to he was going to a gunfight with a knife and it's it was going to he was gonna have to do some special shit in it for for him to beat to beat us. In a championship, I mean, it just—it was really—it wasn't—it wasn't level playing field.
0: So you get every overall in outdoors, anyways. Man, I can't believe that. <laughs> Look at again, you—you you know, you right. had the knife, the gunfight comparison. Yeah. but still, I mean, at the levels James could ride, or oh. are you surprised at all looking back at that statistic that he still couldn't get one overall away from you um, during that season? Or yeah. do you think that still shows a mix of his youth and the disadvantage of the bike?
1: Yeah, I think that. Um, I think it is amazing. Now you know, we we kind of talked about it. We talked about it a little uh, a little earlier. Uh, when you when you when you retire, and then you're able to reflect on what you are able to do, some of the great accomplishments and accolades, and then look back on things that got away, things that you didn't accomplish. Yes, now looking back, and since you mentioned it, it, it is amazing. You think of the talent that James had. And all the things that could have gone wrong with me, you know, I go back to like Southwick oh five when I only lost two motos that year, so one of them was south one of them was Southwick, like how did he not pick up one there you know um the other the other one I lost is the one where he jumped on me. um so and he he went down on that. we both went down on that one, so obviously he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna get that one, but yeah, I mean now. Now, I never really had thought about it until you you, you talk about it now. It's crazy that he didn't, and, and it's crazy. And this is, I didn't think about it and really look into it, but the older I get, and I think, like, how many times Chad never got an outdoor when we raced together? I mean, it's really sad when you think about it. and And just think about how good he was in Supercross. I mean, good in general. And just his ratio against me in, in, in outdoors. And I don't want to sound – I'm not trying to sound cocky or anything, but when you look at the numbers – and that's what always blew my mind about Chad. I'm like, how in the hell can this guy be this good in Supercross but not be more of a challenge in outdoors? It's the damnedest thing you've ever seen. It's, it's, it blows my mind. Like, how can this dude, I mean, cause this much heartburn, cause this much heartburn? For me in supercross, but just he's really a non factor in outdoors.
0: Have you ever had that conversation with him, like really deep? Like, why? Like, just look at him and go, man, why couldn't you beat me? Like, (laughs) I I hate to put this on. you actually just,
1: actually, now sitting here today, like, I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm not. I'm not super pissed but I like I'm kind of like, dude, what how how why did you challenge I I'm, I'm mad that he challenged <laughs> me so much in Supercross but didn't in outdoors. I'm like, yeah. dude, why'd you take ha- the summer off and let me have it? Eat yeah, up- right. Like strip- I wish you would have challenged me the whole time or gave me less heartburn in Supercross and been in a level playing field, right? Yeah, I haven't had this conversation with with him and I would love to. I'm like, dude, ha- like tell me the difference. Like what is the difference? Like, what, yeah, what was his approach? Hey,
0: maybe, maybe not to pat you too much on the back, but maybe we could just chalk it up to it, it took everything just to be a competitor against Supercross, to somebody who couldn't race you all year.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, he could race all year. He just, I just felt like he just didn't have the speed in outdoors. And to me, like, to me, outdoors is easier. Mm-hmm. Supercross is way harder, <laughs> in my opinion. I mean, precision. The track is tighter. I mean, everything. Like, outdoors, you just twist the throttle for the most part, right? I mean, and, and it's just, dude, he couldn't do it.
0: Just maybe a little bit difference where we're talking about his gamer mentality, just like you had the ability no, I mean, to maybe just suffer more now. Yeah,
1: I mean, I, I definitely, I, for sure, I felt like I was in better shape. But I don't know, maybe maybe there was an element there he wasn't willing. I, I know he wasn't willing to hang it out as much as I was. That's for sure. And, and, and I think going from 2003 to 2005 and then on i knew that if we were both the same speed i knew i was willing to ride that edge and i knew that he was willing to not ride that edge and essentially that would be the reason that i would get him
2: you keep talking about how in supercross you're focused on chad because you know he's the guy Mm -hmm. um how different is your mentality outdoors then because really there is no guy for you to focus on So then you kind of are battling within your own mind, and that's a whole nother game that's difficult to manage. So, like, how do you stop yourself from getting too confident outdoors and even keep it interesting when you're doing perfect seasons, and if you're not doing perfect seasons, you're
1: winning all but two motos? (laughs) Yeah. So you just you take it one race at a time and then but also you have the long game like i knew there were going to be races where they were going to be really challenging and they're going to be good like 20 25 minutes into the race and i i just i just knew i just had to be there and eventually i would wear them down each and every weekend it really it was hard work don't get me wrong and and i knew that i could be beaten at any moment like that was a thing like Yes, I knew that I had a great chance to win, but I also wasn't going into each race saying I was going to win. I was like, man, I hope I don't get beat this weekend. I'm just going to give it 110%. And if I do that, I have a good chance to win. But this guy could still win also, you know.
2: I guess the amount that you won outdoors meant that the
1: fear of losing outdoors was even greater. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, not really. The fear of, I didn't really look at it. I didn't look at it from that that point of view i did not um yeah my fear of getting beat in supercross was just as was the same as getting beat in outdoor just the fear of losing in general whether whatever discipline it was 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 the same
0: did that fear did that just a part that drives you in a a sense even outdoors even though we look at this we look at your accomplishments and anybody would look this and go how does this man ever show up to a race thinking he's not going to win but that fear helped. Was that also a tool of yours to help keep you motivated?
1: 100%. Yep. The fear of, of getting beat. I was more, yeah, I was, I was so scared to lose. It's almost like debt motivation, right? You go into debt and you're working your ass off to try to pull yourself out of it or not go into debt. You're spending a lot of money. You want to keep working hard, working hard, working hard to, to build back, build, build your portfolio back up. And that's that, that really, that's what, that's what I did in in motocross and Supercross throughout my whole career. I was so scared of getting beat that that's what drove me to uh, to, to be to, to accomplish what I did is I I was scared to death to lose
0: going off of that when we get to the end of, of 05 yes you've yeah. won every overall but you have that fear okay there's a lot coming up we're transitioning to 450s to James is going to have a, an even tool to go up against you in outdoors the following year. Um, you've, you've seen what Chad can do the later part of supercross season. You you sit there at the end of five, does the fear creep back in your mind? Like, okay, is this the last year I can pull off these types of results? Are these guys going to be even better in Oh six, you know, as we're getting into there, does that kind of stuff float through your mind at all? Like, where are you in the, in terms of confident in yourself and also still being a bit fearful to drive yourself?
1: Well, a lot a lot happened there and, and that, is, that, is, that is those are some great questions. So there's a couple things that come into play coming into the 2006 series. as I knew, no one else knew, but I knew that that was going to be my last full-time season. So it was twofold. I, I knew that James was certainly going to be better. I felt that Chad was I felt like Chad was maxed out. Um, but still he's always going to be there and like, he's, he's going to do what he's going to do. He's really consistent about, you you know, I don't think he's going to get much faster and uh, James is going to be the guy to watch. And, and so I tried to elevate my game and, 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 okay, how can I manage James in a championship? He's going to be a lot better in 2006 than he was in 2005 I still think he's going to have some slip ups, and um, so I'm going to have to rely on some of his slip ups and really take advantage of those moments. And they happened, luckily for me, and, and luckily for Chad at that. At, you know, for, for that matter. So that's how I was looking at it. That was kind of my game plan for 2000, 2006. And I knew that, like I said, going back to, I knew that was my last season competing for a championship so i had a little bit of extra effort and a little bit of more motivation so in the off season try a little bit harder you know like, like like off the bike whether it be my you know stuff at the gym or thing things of that nature so that that was really that that was it going into the 2006 series um, as i say that i was kind of happy because now we're riding the now we're riding the four stroke and it made it made things a little bit better. I think the bike was my 05 RMZ or my RM two hundred and fifty was awesome, but I needed more for two thousand and six. I needed more, and uh, the four hundred and fifty was perfect. It gave me it had that torque, that pad pow- that low RPM horsepower that I that I really enjoyed and liked, and that that really fit my style. That was going to be the the game changer that I need to. Try to win Supercross championship. So,
2: honestly, in your heart of hearts, did you believe that James could be there for the entire season?
1: Yeah, I did. I I knew 2006 was going to be. If I could get him in 2006, I uh, I knew that that would probably be my last time of winning a championship against James in Supercross, just because. You I. I I knew he was going to figure out, figure it out eventually. And you can only win on a technicality for so many years, right? He's going to get better. He's almost like a version of of I was in '99 and 2000. Eventually, you you figure it out, and um, and I feel like that's exactly what happened. I mean, look, at, it came down to the wire at Vegas, right? Whoever may may the best guy's going to win. It's a, It was a weird dynamic as well that
2: off season because obviously all of you did the World Supercross rounds in uh, early December, That's right. which is weird because Anaheim one has all of this hype and unknown about it, but here you all are just facing off one month earlier, learning each other's secrets, uh, weaknesses, and all of that stuff. Weird dynamic.
1: Oh, uh, really weird dynamic. Um, but I liked doing those races. Also, it gave you. It gave you kind of a benchmark. You knew where you were. You got to race your bike. Um, at least for, from our standpoint, we were, our bike was ready to go when we went to those races. There wasn't much that was going to change unless we needed to make a change from that point on. So uh, I liked doing those. It was as a warm-up, and if we needed to tweak anything, um, we, could do, we could do so. Um, so, yeah, it was, it, was, it was game on from that point. But, uh, man... I'm just sitting here thinking of this. You guys are making me like relive the past. It's a lot of fun. Those guys were tough to beat. James was tough to beat. He was just so fast. And I feel like 2006, um, especially Supercross Series, and I was more cons- more focused on James than I was Chad. Even though Chad was great that year, I still feel like he wasn't at – he wasn't at uh, James and I's level. And, and you got to look like we spotted Chad 25 points in one weekend. <laughs> and that happened to be, I think, what was it? It was at uh, St. Louis, I believe. I DNF'd. My spring broke. I didn't finish. Um, I had a a really nice points lead. I think I was, I, I was probably going to win that night. I I felt really good. Like I, f- I felt awesome. I was definitely going to beat Chad for sure. But and I felt like that was one of those nights I, I had a really good shot to beat James. I just felt really comfortable on the machine that night.
2: You keep uh, when you were talking about two thousand and five, you kept mentioning two thousand and three. So in two thousand and five, did you slay those demons a little bit, or even the lessons that you learned? Were you still thinking about the end of two thousand and three coming into two thousand and six?
1: That's great question. So all those thoughts that I had about two thousand and three. Were laid to rest after 2005 season.
2: You must have slept good. <laughs> yeah, I slept great. I'm
1: like, okay, I needed a, it, it, I needed a peace of mind, you know, for myself, and then uh, to be able to go out and, and and show the rest of the world that this is why I got beat, or why I think I got beat in 2003. Yeah, for me, it kind of it put everything to bed. It was nice.
0: Here's kind of an odd one with with Chad and James. That dynamic shifting from 05. Chad's all you worry about. James is a little bit out of sight, out of mind. And then also in 06, you flip to to James being your competitor, the main one you're worried about. Um, I've had this conversation with a couple ex-pros. Like, hey, if the sport would have stayed two-stroke, who would have been dominant? And a lot of guys like to say, oh, James would have been better if the sport had stayed two-stroke. But the more I think about, is any of the transition in 06, you guys going four-stroke, knowing that like Chad, some of his advantage technique-wise and stuff – he loses some of that going to four-stroke. He loses some of the things that he might have been better on. Um, if you say two-stroke, does any of that weigh in your mind? Oh, yeah,
1: 100%. I feel like when we went four-stroke, it was more of a level playing field, 100%. And uh, I go back to I feel like that Yamaha was, was way behind. Their 450 <laughs> was way behind just technology and of the bike and all that stuff. And I feel like the, the, the Suzuki and, and James's 450 but we were kind of the newer generation models if you will um but i think it took some of uh chad's advantage away that he had that yz 250 was sick dude
0: how were you uh going into 06 with your rmz 450 how confident were you are you going to the practice track early into that 05 offseason with the rm 250 and the rmz 450 riding them back to back to gauge are we better on this bike? Like, are we going that deep, or were you just as soon as off season you were fully committed to the four fifty? You knew that was the path. There's, there's no going back.
1: Fully, fully committed. Fully committed. We are not going back. It is better. There's no, there's no sense in even bringing out the bringing out the two fifty because we are we are not going back. The the four fifty is that much better.
2: In the same breath. Um as you say, in the winter of two thousand and five two thousand and six, you decided two thousand and six would be your final full season. Did you tell Suzuki at that point, or was that just something that knew you knew so that maybe if something happened, you would continue if
1: you felt like you wanted to yeah uh no i that was that was a that was a thought and a decision that only myself and a couple other people within my inner inner circle knew and i didn't I didn't even tell Suzuki until Vegas. So we're going into Vegas, and I think I announced, like, hey, yeah. this is my last – this is my next year. I'm only going to race part-time. I wanted to do it before the results of Vegas Supercross because in case I didn't win the championship, I didn't want people to think that I was not racing full-time in 2007 because I had gotten beaten. So I said, hey, whatever happens here tonight or tomorrow night – uh, this is my last my last season p- competing for a championship, and it has nothing to do with whatever happens tomorrow night. It's just um, I've had it. I, I'm I'm good with I'm good with this.
0: So when you say only a select few knew, um you say Suzuki didn't know, did no. Roger know? Like how tight is this circle we're talking
1: about? My mom, my dad, maybe Eldon and 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 Scott Taylor at the time, my manager. Yeah, it was it was yeah. Or actually. Scott Taylor wasn't my manager at that time. I had an agency down in Orlando that was representing me. So, uh, yeah, just them guys.
2: In a way, do you kind of, wish that you had told everyone sooner because in 2006 you went to some venues that you never returned to hell as a no racer.
1: hell no i don't I, I, if, I would have, if i would have said if i would have said this is my last season that would have made my i feel like that would have give james and and chad more incentive to try to take me down <laughs> right because i know they would they knew they would never have another chance at doing that so no there's no way I was going to tell anyone. Do you think they had any idea? Do you think like even did Roger say like oh, I'm not surprised we kind of saw this coming? I don't I don't think that I don't think that Roger be- really believed it even when I made the <laughs> announcement. They like I don't think he believed that I was going to stick to it. Did oh, you believe that you were going to stick to oh, it? Oh yeah, I knew. I was bur- I was burnt, man. I was fried. I had had enough. I mean, I, you you go then fast forward to two thousand and seven. I was in a great spot. I felt really good on the bike that year. Uh, probably the best I'd ever felt for the most part. And it was, uh, yeah, I had every I had every opportunity to keep racing. I mean, Roger's like, you sure you want to take off? You sure you want to take off? I'm like, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure.
2: With how intense two thousand and six was, then you say you were burnt. Um was that just not enjoyable for you at all?
1: Yeah, just I was I had I had had a belly full. I was I mean, just so many you know, I mean, just all those years of having to answer the bell and you know, I had felt like I had I had accomplished everything that I wanted to accomplish. Like and I go back to so I'd won in the one twenty five, I had won on a steel chassis 250 I'd want on an aluminum chassis 250 I'd won on an aluminum chassis four stroke um I'd done everything you know I'm like I had these these goals I'm like after I went on a four stroke supercross championship what else is there to do so like I kind of checked off all the boxes.
2: I guess maybe having James there helped in that sense as well, then because that was another fresh thing. Like, let I'll just beat James once, and then that's another thing for me to focus on. Right? Whereas, it's like,
1: what? Well, yeah. Like, yeah. You start checking all these boxes, and you're like, okay, well, what? What is next? Yeah. You know, and like, I mean, I could have kept racing, and then after James, you know, okay, how many years can I try to beat James? Uh, but I knew eventually he was going to be the guy. Sorry, and um, I was. Like I said, I had had a belly full by that point. I, I knew I knew when I signed my Suzuki contract in 04 that I only had two more full seasons in me. I knew that.
0: So as we move towards 2006 with James, mm-hmm. he becomes your main competitor. You know chat a little more in and out at this point. However, you've grown up near James. You've seen him since a kid. You were technically teammates of Cowie. Um, you guys are both in Fox. You're both in Oakley. There's some weird dynamics where – you've got similar people around you a little bit how well did you know him as a competitor coming into 06 did you kind of know him inside out what to expect or was there a lot of unknowns going up against him for an actual championship
1: yeah i knew i knew his tendencies and i had a i had a really good vision and uh, and thought on him as a as a competitor for sure i knew yeah I knew his tendencies. I knew what he was great at. I knew what his shortfalls were, and um, I knew what I needed to do to give myself the best chance to win um, a championship against James. Yep. I mean, uh, really, that's that's as simple as as simple as it is. I mean, you could just you knew he was going to be the next guy, and uh, but but I knew that it was going to be hard two thousand six to do it. And I was going to need some help. And I and I got some help. He had some mistakes. I mean, I go back to 2000, yeah, St. Louis that year. <clears throat> I mean, had St. Louis not happened, he probably would have won the championship, you know. And he went down, couldn't get his bike cranked, and ends up, you know, basically not finishing.
2: Obviously, 2006 was a very unique season even for you as a racer um leaving Daytona in 2006 you had a two-point lead over Chad crucially and 26 points over James so with James the plan was still kind of in play but Chad was obviously a much closer so do you remember where the stress levels were at um, leaving Daytona the midpoint of the season in 2006 because okay Chad is nipping at your heels but in 2006 maybe he's not the guy to be concerned about so it, weird dynamic again
1: yeah another weird dynamic and uh i felt like i was in a good place against chad there i knew it was going to be hard but i was more focused at this stage on on james you know i'm like okay he is the guy and i knew that if i could run with james i was going to be able to beat chad because I didn't feel like, and, and it's no disrespect to Chad, I had a tremendous amount of respect for him and and his abilities, but I knew like my game plan was always to try to hang with James. If I could do that, it's gonna it's gonna give me that gap, enough gap to beat Chad.
2: Maybe in two thousand and six, you were using Chad as the same tool that you were using James as in two thousand and five.
1: Certainly, and uh, so we'll we'll jump to um, Vegas two thousand six and what my game plan was coming into that race. Basically, it was winner take all for the AMA Supercross Championship. And um, I knew, like, like, going into that round, I mean, I was really, really worried for a couple reasons. Chad had always gotten the best of me in Vegas. I don't think I'd ever beat him in Vegas. Um, so I had that going against me. I wasn't really a fan of... Of the of the track, I just never—I don't know—I just never could get with it. So we had that, and then um, yeah, there we were. So I had basically—I—I I did like what Chad was able to do his whole career. Is I talked myself into winning, and I'm like not a big mental guy when it comes to stuff like that. I'm more of like a—you work hard, you go out there, and you you execute your plan and what you're supposed to do. You're going to win. Well, I was like literally talking to myself. I talked myself into winning that whole week. I'm like, dude, I'm going there. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm winning. You know, I'm gonna get a good start. This is what I'm gonna do. I had an absolutely epic, epic week of practice um, during that week, which was great. So I come in feeling confident. Uh, you know, I announce, hey, this is gonna be my last uh, full season. Uh, last year of racing full season, got that, you know, got that all out on the table. Uh, I remember waking up that morning. I I was taking like my resting heart rate. My, my heart rate was lower. My resting heart rate was lower than it had ever been. Um, practice that day went well. And then I remember, uh, opening ceremonies, James and I were talking or, I don't know, we were doing something. I just remember looking over at Chad and uh, he just, you know, like he had his head down on his handlebars. And I remember saying to myself, oh my, like, that guy's off tonight. He is, he is, I don't know, he's frazzled. I don't know if the pressure was getting to him, but I, I remember saying that I'm like, oh dude. And then, so like everything's all right. Everything's good. Do we get, we line up for the main event and he he like he starts on the outside, I believe he did, and I'm thinking, dude, this guy is crazy, he's giving me the inside. it's a ninety degree start. All I have to do is get the jump if I get the jump, I'm going straight to the hay bales and I'm gonna run him off or I'm gonna push him off the track, you know, or take everyone to the bales so I get the whole shot, but I couldn't believe. He was going to start on the outside. I mean, the 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 chances of him, and he'll probably tell, yeah, I was going to get a good, I was going to try to get a good jump and sweep the outside, which I mean, that is a, in my mind, in my opinion, that's a really high risk move. So when he made that, I felt like that was a poor decision on his part, and it didn't work out for him. Um, skipping ahead for that main event, my whole plan was to if james was in front of me i was going to try to stick with him as long as i could that main event and if i could stick with him as long as i could and ride his pace as long as i could and not get arm pump i said that will build me enough gap to where we get 10 laps in i should have a, a manageable enough gap in front of chad to where i can beat him and that was, and that, and then, and that's exactly how it played out. As Soon as James got up front, I said, "All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow him." And I could see Chad. Chad was a few guys behind me. I'm like, "Okay, solid there. I'm gonna freaking follow James." And so long as I can hold up to him, and and, and if if uh, even if I'm just losing like a quarter second a lap, I'm gonna f- go his pace, so I don't get tight. Uh, I'm going to ride its closest pace to where I don't get arm pump and that'll build me the gap. And that's exactly what happened.
2: How crazy was your mind going then during this main event? Because like you're doing the math, you're marking Chad, you're watching James's pace. You're thinking to yourself, okay, I just need to not get arm pump. That's right. That's a lot going on during a 20 lap main event. (laughs) Yeah,
1: there, there is like, I'm trying to do that. And I'm watching James and I'm watching Chad. And then like, he's kind of like, he's coming in too like he, he there's times where he's gaining on me but then there was other times where i had good laps as well and i'm holding on and, out, and i'm holding close to james as well so it was like it it you know there's was, was like back and forth back and forth back and forth you know there were times i'm like shit i don't know if i'm gonna be able to do it you know or or wow that was a really good lap so then it was like okay yeah i think i am gonna get it and then there'd be another then there was a lap where i'm like oh no and, yeah, I, I want to say, like, around lap um, 15, there was this one section, I think, kind of like when we went back down that first lane where there was a triple, and um, I, could, I started marking, and I started pulling, like, a quarter second away from Chad every lap, and then I knew, I'm like, okay, I got it now at this point. Now I just don't screw up in the whoops, and I'm good.
0: Was it weird at all trying to, to pace off James? for that race, because one thing I think, and this kind of falls into another question for mm-hmm. you is James's strength. We all look at him, of course, as at times the fastest man on the planet, 100%. what he can do on a motorcycle in Sandy. So your, your strategy to race him is you have to push him until he makes a mistake because mm-hmm. he will do it. But at the same time, he's going a pace at which you've is is scary. So your way of beating him puts you a little bit in danger yourself at times, other than just Vegas, even throughout that whole season, trying to push that pace and run with him to pressure him to make mistakes, how many times during the season are you thinking to yourself, "I cannot believe I'm going this fast right now. This is not right." <laughs>
1: uh, not so much of that feeling in in 2006, more in 2007. Mm-hmm. But um, I've, I've talked about this a couple times. Like I, I knew there was a lot of like. James is one of those dudes. If you go fast, he's just going to go faster. Yeah. So uh, beating him just on, on raw speed is going to be super hard. So there, yeah, I my goal for him to, to try to beat him a lot of the times are just if I can just run close enough to pressure him into mistake and get him to fall off. That's how I'm going to beat him. Uh, uh, rarely am I going to be able to beat him in on speed. And if if I did beat him in supercross, like. If, if if he was like sixth, I, I I would say fifth to that fifth to seventh or eighth place, and I got the whole shot. Then I had a good chance to win because I could build enough gap, you know, to to ride it out. Like build enough gap those first ten laps, and then cruise this cruise the second ten laps. That was kind of my plan and strategy on trying to beat James in Supercross. So, but I didn't really realize the speed that we were going until like two thousand seven. It's like there were those moments where we had, like I talk about Orlando. It's just, man, we are fricking flying, but it's, it was like in slow motion. It's crazy.
0: Well, even that, that final main then in Vegas Pro yeah. 06, is that one of those races that just felt like it was taking forever? Are you sitting there going, just please, can the laps just get done? I need this to finish now.
1: hundred percent. I'm like, damn it. But I was still on pins and needles, even though looking back, I had a decent gap, but it's just like, i was just tense you know i you know it was slippery it was hard you had to be precise and and i was i rode i honestly we all rode a great race we all rode a perfect race i mean only thing that could have been more perfect for chad had he would have beat me but um minus his first five laps i feel like he did, he rode great i rode great the whole race and um Yeah. There's nothing that I would really change from that race.
0: So you finish that race, you know, that's the last time you're going to race those two for a championship, but with all the nerves during that race, being on pins and needles, Do you have that instant deflation feel when you cross the finish line? Like, oh, my God, it's all over? Or are you rolling the finish line and the nerves are still high and you're like, is it over? Can I not believe it? Like, where where are you mentally at knowing that's the last one?
1: I was like, thank God this is over. (laughs) Like, I hated those positions. I hated being in that situation. Absolutely. I hated every single bit of it. Yes, I was able to shine in that, being in that situation, but that was the first time I've ever been in that spot. Think about that. So that's your most tense championship. Yeah, I mean, you 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 take it all the way down, and, and I was a little pissed, too, that I was even in that position, because I, like, in all of my championships, I always worked so hard to not be in being a must situation, because I didn't know how I would do in a situation like that, so... I was I was still pissed at what happened at, at at St. Louis. I had that DNF because I never would have been in this spot because I worked so hard to not be in this position. So I was I was mad about that too going in here. So my like, gosh, damn it! I worked so hard to not be in this the this position, and then I get you know, but 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 that's the position I I was in because because we had the issue to, to no one's fault. But I'm glad that uh, I was able to answer the bell, and and I can look back and say, hey, I've been in a situation to where, you know, I had to win the win the championship, or had to beat this guy to to win the championship, and I was able to do that.
2: Looking back on 2006, Mm -hmm. do you regret not being able to enjoy the moment more? Because, like I say, that title fight is going to go down in history. That's not many riders get to experience that and win, right? (laughs) Um, But it seems like looking back on it all you can remember is just how miserable you were, how difficult things were and how you wanted it to be over.
1: It wasn't fun. <laughs> There's no part of that to me that was fun. Even how well the night went and the level that we were riding at, like it, it was great. It was a, it was a really good main it was one of those races. A lot of people say, what was one of your favorite races? And I look back uh, that. Wasn't my favorite race, but that was a race that I had ridden almost perfectly. I didn't win, but that was a, there's nothing more that I could have done or asked out of myself. I I wasn't fast enough to beat James, but that was the best that I could ride. So I was, I was happy, but I didn't like that. I hated that feeling. So I was glad it was over, man. I freaking, I was so over it.
0: A little bit of a broad overview for 06 from mental standpoint or just interactions with those guys. Is there much tension between any of you guys in 06 or is it still pretty professional? And now that you've, of course, going to speak to chat a lot more. And then more recently, um, James did, did you guys ever talk about like, was their mentality different years? Did they feel like there was more tension than there was, or do you guys have different views on that?
1: I, I, I can't really speak for those guys. Um, and I'd love to know what, what their, their thoughts were on that season. But I just feel like, I think we, we all three were trying to manage, you know, like if 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 you're James, you're trying to manage me and Chad. If you're Chad, you're trying to manage me and James, and I was trying to manage them both. And um, having two guys to manage for a championship was a lot, but it was certainly within my wheelhouse I was able to do it. They both had their strengths. They both had their weaknesses, and, you know, you had to play both parts. And um, I think we were wanting to beat, beat – I was wanting to beat both guys – I wanted to beat James just as much as I wanted to beat Chad. Vice versa, it's just different strategies and it was a lot to manage. So, you know, on a night that maybe James fell down, then the more of the focused more of the focus will go to beating Chad or vice versa if there's a night that James was on and 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 there was a low risk track and you knew he probably wasn't going to toss it then you had to focus on that a little bit more. And and and, and, you, and I had Chad at bay, then the focus would go to James. If I had James at bay, the focus would go to, to Chad.
0: It would be a blast to get the three of you in the same room and yeah. talk about the 06 finale like that. You said Chad, Handlebar Pad. What were you, like, asked Chad where I, he was at? I going feel
1: away. like in 2006, more of the focus for me was, was on James. Yeah. Looking back now, Chad was there. He was good. He does. He did some great things there, but he was in the position he was in because of our 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 stuff, our 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 own issues. It wasn't like he was in that position because he was kicking our ass.
0: Do you you get to the end of 06 knowing that you're going to participate part time in 07, but you're not in the championship anymore? Now it's going to be Chad and James. Do you think the way 06 went for James, like did you? ever at any point think uh, like can James were you confident that James could come sorry that Chad could contend with James the next year or were you based on what you saw you're like oh his time might be up like James is gonna handle it
1: yeah I I was to the point I knew I knew I knew James could handle it I knew James could handle it and Chad was gonna have his hands full moving forward and more times than not James was probably going to uh, there's no way that Chad could beat him on speed, no shot, no shot. And Ch- Chad was going to have to beat him just by being smarter, more tactical, and, 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 and really beat him the way that he had beat me in years past at certain races and stuff like that. Chad's an intelligent rider and a championship guy, and that's what he was going to have to lean on.
2: It was, a, um, it was a winner-take-all situation with Chad in Vegas in 2006. So you had a game plan based on what you knew about him. What if it was a winner-take-all situation with James? <laughs>
1: oh.
2: <laughs> I mean... I'm guessing the mentality would have been very different.
1: Yeah, so a winner-take-all against James would have been... Stay on him. Stay on him as, as much as possible. You know, and and I knew that there's no way I could beat him on speed. No shot whatsoever. So run his pace and force him into a mistake. That's the only way I was going to beat him. Force him into a mistake so he falls. I wasn't going to beat him on speed. There's no way that I would be able to pass him, pull away. I would have to be on him the whole time, force him into a mistake, and make them get tired. That would have been it.
0: So you wake up the the Sunday after Vegas. <sighs> there was one more mission, one more. you got to go against James, one more full run, 2006, yeah. outdoors. What were you feeling the next, what well, we have the typical two to three weeks before the opening round? How did those go? How did outdoor prep go?
1: Yeah, the outdoor prep was going well. Uh, I felt confident. I knew James was going to be tough in the outdoors. But – I liked my chances a lot more. I just knew it was going to be hard work, you know. I'm just like, okay, and I was okay with the hard work. The tough part about Supercross is it's a little more, in my opinion, talent driven. If You got good talent, you can ride, and, and and outdoors, it's 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 a little bit harder to lean on talent. You got to lean on hard work, and I knew I was in better shape. I well, knew I was in better shape, and eventually, it was just it was a it was a it was a long game. I just I just just knew I just needed to wear him down.
2: Was outdoors that year at the same level of misery then? Or was it maybe more comfortable for you just because you knew mentally that you were the best guy and you could control the situation more?
1: I knew that I was the best guy mentally and I knew that I was the best guy physically. So it was just, you, you had to be extremely patient. What I mean by that is, I knew that James was going to get great starts. I knew he was going to be fast. he was going to match me in speed, but I knew like it was just going to be twenty minutes to twenty five minutes of hell each and every moto until he till he gets tired and and he gets tired and he'll take over
2: <laughs> it's um It's weird because James did make a step forward in two thousand and six supercross. There were mistakes, but maybe not as many as people had imagined, and yeah. then went backwards outdoors because kind of went back to 2005 with big crashes weekly, and he wasn't really a factor at all. Um, I guess that surprised you.
1: It did. It did. And then he had some bike issues too. Remember in uh, Southwick?
0: Oh, that's that's a highlight reel moment.
1: Yeah, that was a dirty one. Um, I'd like to know from his perspective, I never really talked to him about this, like I wonder what he was thinking going into that season. I know he had talked about – you know, he, the, when I was on his podcast, we had talked about certain things, but we never really talked about 2006 outdoors. I know we talked a lot about 2005 outdoors when he was on that two-stroke. <laughs> oh, woe was me. Yeah. A <laughs> little. Um, but I, I, I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's weird. I don't know what his thought was like going in there. I mean, he knew I was in shape. He knew it. I knew it. Um, yeah. I don't know. So we go into the
0: season opener in 06, and correct me if I'm wrong here, that's the first season opener you had not won the overall since 01, I think. Oh, yeah. Was it really? I think so. I just did a quick scan. I think 01 GH, you got fourth in 250 on Cowie, and I think you've won the opener every year up until 06. Really? I think. There you go. So it's first time. Like Again, you're confident in outdoors, but – you leave the opening round thinking a little more said you scare yourself into it do you leave it a little more worried are you working a little harder that first week
1: no i think it, i just knew like i knew that you know down the stretch it was it was going to be i i i felt like i had just as good of a shot to win than anyone else did and it just you know I i had to be patient i had to take my seconds when they would come and i had to you know, enjoy the wins when I could. Um, but I just knew it was gonna be like I said, twenty to twenty five minutes of hell each and every week. When you get to really well, simple. I mean, I know it yeah. sounds boring, but really that that yeah. that was it. You know, I knew I just I had to I had to I had to be there, I had to ride my ass off at the beginning of the races.
0: When you think about 06 outdoors, what motos arounds pop in your head that you're you're proud of or you look back at the battles you and James have and you just have great memories of her that are so vivid.
1: We had a lot of good battles. I feel like I feel like most of those races were more in in 2007. Mm-hmm. I talk about like I feel like 2003 and 2006 other than Vegas 2006 were races that I uh, or were seasons that I really like, like were kind of a blur to me or are ones that were Challenging and ones that I just didn't really hold on to certain moments other than like I said o six Vegas there's not really many other races in 06 that i that i that ring out to me, but like two thousand seven there is two thousand five there is like there's you know like two thousand seven two thousand five there are certain races I can remember like certain specks of or certain rocks that were uh, you know on a line of the track where 2006, I can't, it just kind of, I think because I was so consumed mentally, I didn't have time to really relish any moments.
0: Was Millville 06
1: blurry though, outside of your vision? <laughs> uh, that was a good one. Um, you, you know what's crazy is DV tells me, because he got second that. Yeah, he went
0: seven, two or something. Yeah,
1: he, he says I passed him twice.
0: Now, you only lapped him once, right? I thought he, he was. Says
1: you, he says, I passed him twice. I'm like, dude, I think you have me confused.
2: Imagine if you did vote.
1: <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> he would have lapped the whole field twice. <laughs> this, that's... He says, he's like, dude, you passed me twice. Yeah. That's what he told me in the race. I'm like, nah, I don't think so. after the race, when we were on the pony. He's like, dude, you passed me two times. I'm like, I don't think I did. Well, when he says, no, I, you did.
0: When I think of that race again, moments that sound my mind as being a fan other than the domination is watching Chad and James struggle to get up the little, yeah, right, up the hill. Like at one point, Chad just sitting there, staring at his bike, James goes back to the bottom of the hill, all the way to the fence, I like, gets a run, hits Chad's bike and just ejects. And then they're both sitting there on a hillside. Meanwhile, every lap you're just coming by up the hill. No problem. D V comes up one lap, his fist pumping when he gets to the top of the hill. Cause the fans are cheering that him.
1: spot right there was the hardest spot part on the track and every time like as i'm going through and i'm I'm doing the whole track and i'm getting to that point i'm like oh crap this is gonna be tough this is gonna be tough yes that was that was insane it was just like i can't believe that happened and it's not like i went out there and I'm like man i'm gonna try to lap the field i was just out there honestly just trying to i knew i wanted to get the whole shot because i didn't want to be blasted and get muddy or get any more muddy than i was already going to get and i just wanted to just put it, just not fall down.
2: Why do you think you were such a good mud rider? Because <laughs> of what happened at Fox Hill.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I still have PTSD from Fox Hill's uh, motocross of nations. But I think a lot of it was just my uh, my mental strength and my physical strength. I was in really great shape, um, and just yeah, just knowing what to do and not overriding, and yeah.
2: Were you maybe less ready to walk away from motocross than you were supercross? Or did the fact that you did your shoulder at the
1: end of two thousand and six make you go, Okay, this yeah, yeah, I'm done with this now, this is good. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was just kinda like the nail in the coffin for me. I was I was I was ready to be done. Again, going back, I was I already had my exit exit strategy when I signed my deal in two thousand my Suzuki deal. In 2004, for 2005, I was already – that's why in my contract, I had the option to race full-time or part-time Um, in 2007. And the only reason I put – I wanted the option is in case I wanted to race full-time. And, uh, in case I wanted to race full-time in 2007, but I knew I wasn't going to want to. I was burnt. Kind of because, co- and, and it's like I, I had the checklist. Okay, I, I, I did this, I did this, I did this. I don't need to do anymore.
2: Another thing you did, and um you did it well, was the Motocross of Nations uh, covering 05 and 06 as a whole. Well, 06, you didn't quite
1: make it. but Yeah, you, I was bummed about that. You were... Way.
2: You have made, I think, you've made the nations what it is today without you pushing to get the team back there in 2005 and making 2005 maybe the best event ever. Definitely the best event that I've been to. Yeah,
1: and and it's one of the best events that I've been... One of the most iconic pictures, one of my favorite pictures of my career, the one that Simon took. Uh, I just love that. I mean, an incredible experience, the energy that was there. Um, And I appreciate you saying that. I, I definitely... I was glad that we were able to do that in 2005 and go there and get a team. And I do feel like from that moment on 2005, 2006, even though I wasn't able to compete 2007, the motocross of nations had finally gotten back to where it once was, you know, basically from the inception of that race until the 2000, was it? Oh, one when we couldn't go because of nine 11. Um, I feel like, It finally gotten, you know, back to that level of competitive competitiveness and that feel, that vibe of USA being there. It it had that magnitude feeling again.
2: I feel like we should acknowledge that had you not got injured in 2006, a team of James, you, and RV on a 250 would have been the best nation's team in history ever, ever.
1: Oh, trust me. We. JS and I were having conversations about it. It's like, hey man, this is gonna be epic. We're gonna go there and we're gonna put on a clinic. And this is what we're gonna do. We were we were just gonna go there and it was gonna be like a normal race, like we had done all outdoors. him and I were gonna battle each other and we're gonna just try we, we wanted to decimate the field. At least I remember having those conversations with him. And it's not that we didn't respect it's not that we didn't respect our competitors. In the other countries, but I knew we was like, dude, if we go there and we race there, like we're racing here every weekend, there's no shot. Anyone's going to beat us.
2: Is that maybe something that you look back on and you're like, I would have liked to
1: have the opportunity to race Everts one more time. Yeah. But, (laughs) but I will say like, you know, a lot of people always like to compare Everts and I, but we really never raced each other when we were both at our peak. Yeah. Okay. I mean, Ever, I mean, Stefan's much older, and I say much older, but in racing years, he's substantially older than me. You know, he really is. So the, the times that I was able to race Stefan, I was, he was on the decline and I was on the way up. You know, I was on the incline and he was on the decline. And it, that's just, you know, just, that's just the age difference there. So it's really not a fair comparison for both of us.
0: Do you, do you think if you could have raced in 06, you would have had a better effect from a team standpoint on James getting kind of involved with stuff on the race would have been more like you're focusing on me. Stefan doesn't matter today. It's me and you doing
1: this hundred percent. And that was our plan going in. And then I buggered up my, uh, my shoulder at Glen Helen. And, and, and then when I got to, I got to, um, was it? What was the track? Um, uh, Matterly. Matterly. <clears throat> when we got there, I loved the track. You know, just looking at it, the dirt, everything. I was so bummed, and I was beating myself up a little bit. But, yeah, it, like, it was just going to be a day of James and I racing each other. And
0: When you went down, GH, like, day or two after, did you know for sure that you were out for destinations, or was there any consideration, like, oh, I might be able to rehab in time to get there? Like, how long I, did it take for that decision?
1: Uh, so I went, I went and got, um, I went and got an MRI on my shoulder and I knew I had a small little tear in my labrum and it's just going to be day to day, um, and or week to week. And I knew that we were coming up against the clock and I wasn't seeing the results as far as my recovery goes. I wasn't getting better as quick as I would like to have been. And I knew like the week leading up, there was a small chance that I was going to try to go race and just not ride at all until the practice day of the nations. And hell, I still couldn't even do a push up by that time. And I'm like, no, I can't do it
0: because, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Ivan wrote. So was it actually your stuff that already been shipped technically? And Mm -hmm.
1: okay. And that just seemed like the, the easiest from a, um, logistic standpoint is to send Ivan over there.
2: Was the nations the same level of stress for you as, the traditional series or did you go there more with the mindset of this is going to be fun and we'll see what happens. Or did you go there going, I need to win. This is a very stressful experience. I've got to get this done.
1: No, um, the older I got yet, it was that way. Uh, the, f- the first three times that I went, but the, I think what did I do? The nations six times, I think, yep. uh, cause I lost three and won three, I believe. Um, the last three for sure were, weren't as, weren't as, as stressful, you know, it's like just go there, do my thing, win my, uh, win the class that I'm in, whether I'm in the the you know the 450, 250, whatever it might might have been, the open class. As long as I'm the best guy in my respected division, that's that's uh, that's all I need to do. It's so really, a relatively easy. A lot of people, there's a lot of things, a lot of moving parts yeah. in the motocross of nations, and and a lot of things that need to happen to win the race. But if you think about it so long as we do, you don't fall down and you win your respected division the chances of you winning that race is is very very high
2: and like the dirty little secret of the nations is it isn't that deep once you like you leave a lot of good americans at home a lot of good italians like like it's actually not that deep a field
1: that and that's the thing like yeah you're exactly right it's you got the best guys for the most part from each country yeah some guys, you know, for certain countries are better than others. Yeah, it's not like you're racing the. Well, yeah, you are racing the best GB guys and the best the best American guys, but then there's also guys from other countries that aren't that good. So you have that advantage, right? Um, like I said, it, it there's there's a lot of things that can go wrong, but the race is relatively. It doesn't it's not it doesn't take a rocket scientist to win that race, you know? I mean?
0: So we go to the final year of racing, two thousand and seven part time schedule. The races you selected, um, how did you come to picking those? Especially, I look at Supercross. I mean, on one hand, it's like, oh yeah, of course you would do the season opener. But did you really like a one that much? Was it one last chance to get it? And then the races that followed. How did you come about picking your schedule?
1: Well, I knew I wanted to get well a couple things. I knew my kids were going to be born around March, April, and uh, so I wanted to get all the supercrosses done. <clears throat> that um, I want to get all my supercrosses knocked out before that time. So I had that, and then I solely based it on my favorite events, venues, tracks, both supercross. And motocross, and then of course supercross. I wanted to knock out. I wanted to knock out. Uh, you know, like a couple, like the Anaheim. Though I wanted to do Anaheim, and then the other the other races that I did were tracks that I loved racing at. So that's that that's how I determined my schedule. Is I'm only going to the tracks that I love. So of
0: those races you chose in supercross, you won two. You won San Francisco and St. Louis, I believe.
1: Mm-hmm. San Fran, St. San... I thought. Did I only? Did I win three or did I win
0: two? You were second at everything else. Anaheim won in Phoenix. You were second. You won San Francisco. You got second at Atlanta, won St. Louis, second at Daytona, second at Orlando, I believe. Okay. So of those, I mean, the two victories are cool, but the other ones, is there anything particular you're you're bummed? You didn't. I mean, I'm sure you would have loved to have won all of them to finish out. I wanted to win. Yeah,
1: obviously I wanted to win Anaheim, of course. (sighs) Wasn't able to do that. Um, I was happy with the way I was riding that season, honestly. I was happy with the way I was riding, running that se- season. And I will tell you, I'm glad that I only raced part-time because I, I can remember saying that, like, there's no way I'm beating James. There's no way. And he hadn't really slipped up at all, uh, you know, that, that whole series, right? I mean, he, he had a hell of a year that year.
2: Why even race part-time? Like, it's a lot of stress, it's a lot of work, um, there's not going to be a championship at the end of it. Did
1: you ever question, why am I even doing this? Yeah, well, because I was getting paid a lot of money to race <laughs> part-time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just something like, almost, it was just, it It was, I wanted to race these races, not have the pressure of a championship, and really like just a, like a send-off, a final send-off and enjoy myself and like, hey, let's go to these races and have fun racing the damn motorcycle and enjoy it and not have the pressures of a defending a championship and not having to race so guarded.
0: Does that is that part where you say like 06 is a blur? Part of the reason why you have so many memories of 07 is because there was no championship. Exactly. You could go to every race and just focus on the vibe, the fans, the racing, the qualifying. All that has to stand out more since you're no longer long gaming it.
1: I wasn't I wasn't mentally consumed. I was there enjoying the moment. And I was there because I wanted to be there. I didn't have any th- I didn't have to manage the championship. I was just there racing because that's what I wanted to do and I enjoyed being at that venues and it was so nice to be racing at a track that I enjoyed racing at and not have that pressure of a t- of a title. And I think to your point, yes, that's why I don't have a lot of memories from 2003 a season in 2006 season because I was so mentally consumed with the championship and it was so tight.
2: It's funny looking at 2007, like the story with you and Chad is a historic one. Chad didn't beat you in any of those races in 2007. No, which is
1: there was was some (laughs) sweet redemption there. Like, and I just, you know, old habits die hard. I was still, uh, there was, even though after 2005, I had put 2003 to bed. There was still a there was still a rub there. There was still a rub there.
0: Was there any particular rounds of the ones you raced where I'm sure you you know James wins when you don't? But were there any rounds where Chad was a focal point because you're like I'm not that's part of my thing. I'm going out and I'm not at least losing to him if I'm not if I'm being beat by James. I'm not no. losing to Chad.
1: There, yeah. I mean. I honestly there was a sense in 2007 I felt bad for Chad cuz I I like we're out running him you know week in week out and honestly he wasn't even in our zone not even in our in our zone and I'll take you to my final supercross race in 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 Orlando it was I mean and you talk about a send off for for several reasons number one it being my final supercross but to let Chad get the whole shot, not let him get the whole shot, but he's leading. We pass him and like decimate him. That was like, if, if, if you could make 2003 not be so painful, that was a way to do it right there. I mean, I remember coming off the track I'm like, dude, it feels so good to kick his ass the way, the way that I did, because like I said, there was still a burn there from 2003. So that was, that was, yeah, I was never worried about him of beating us or beating me in 2000, in 2007.
0: Were you able to enjoy even the relationship racing James Moore in 07, even Chad, because you weren't having to race them for titles?
1: Yeah. um, That, um, it was fun racing both of those guys. And from 2006, even like from 2005 on, it was a lot of fun racing Chad. We had a tremendous amount of respect for each other. Rarely would we do anything, you know, out of character or dirty, didn't have to. And then, uh, of course, like 2007, then you go to 2007. It was just a lot of fun racing, racing both of them. I feel like in 2007, it was more James and I racing each other. I just think we were on a little different level. And I think for me, the reason that those races were going so well is because I didn't have the pressure of, you know, of, of the championship.
2: Orlando finishes, Was it the same feeling of relief? Or again, you say beating Chad was sweet. Um, You had a great race with James. It felt effortless. Did you come off the track and think,
1: eh, maybe I should just keep going a little bit? No, (laughs) never. I never did because I knew as soon as if I would have made that decision, the the mental side of me would have completely shifted and i would have been miserable and i'd be like okay yeah the the the, when 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 your mind shifts into championship mode it's just like all the outside you have to get all the outside noise goes away and you you know for me i'd stop enjoying stuff at any point in 2007 on the
2: track did you have a moment where you thought to yourself i'm not in this championship i don't need to do this jump or i don't need to push this extra one percent
1: uh atlanta Atlanta, um, James beat me. And there was a, I believe it was 2007 where you did the finish line, you turned left to 180, and then he was jumping like, I think he was like tripling over the backside of this um, tabletop. And the tabletop was like straight straight down on the backside. I'm just like, I'm not doing this. You know what I mean? And so I'd catch him. And then he'd do that rhythm he'd do that rhythm lane, he'd backside that steep tabletop and then triple into the corner. And I'm just like, I'm not I'm just not taking that risk. Not not doing it. And that was that 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 particular rhythm section was yes, I had that. I had that thought. I'm like, I'm just not taking that risk. But if you were going for a championship, you would have I probably not, but that particular that particular section Mm -hmm. makes me think about that.
0: Trying to think of my, my 07 history here, um, and I think there was a recent story made about this. Was um, was Orlando the weekend your twins were born? Mm-hmm. How was that for that being mixed in with your final supercross, kind of the, the changing of era for you? Because I remember the story recently. I can't remember who did it, but it seemed like you have a lot. I mean, of course, with your children being born, but there's a lot of fond memories of all that being mixed together on the final weekend.
1: Yeah, I mean, you think about it. It's like... You know my career, and I was extremely fortunate. I was able to accomplish a lot, race some great guys, and you know, I'm one thing. I'm really excited, or I, I really, I got lucky, and I'm happy about is the guys that I got to race in my career. I got to race against the best guy in Supercross. Um, he has a winningest record in Supercross. I got to race against the guy that has the second best record in Supercross. Might be beaten this year second best in supercross and at the time yeah the guy that you know had the fourth best record in, in supercross so i've raced the best guys ever to do this um that that, that that's something that i'll take with me for, uh, for forever you know and and the record books shows it those are the best guys to ever race um so that 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 was fun, and then now shifting back to the question that you asked, you know, about uh, my final Supercross. You think about that, and then my kids are born. That was the Friday morning beforehand. That's nuts, man. Like you couldn't you couldn't write that. You couldn't do that. Or you couldn't write perfect that. script. Yeah, perfect, perfect script. So, yeah, that was crazy. Just and you know, a lot of emotions that weekend. So I drove down, and um, for press day. Uh, the kiddos were, I got there Thursday. Um, we're having dinner on, um, me and some friends are having dinner on Thursday night. Doctor calls, says, Hey, you might want to get Tallahassee. You know, your kids are, kids are about to be born. I'm like, well, okay. Like, give me some, I need some context here. Like, like, when are they coming? Do I have time to drive? Like, or is it tomorrow? He's like, let's just put it this way. If you were here right now, we'd be delivering these babies. I'm like, all right, boom. So I drove up to Tallahassee, got there probably around 1 o'clock. They were born at 3 in the morning, so on Friday. And then I got up next morning, and uh, Greg Arnett came and picked me up in his helicopter, and we helicoptered down to the track. And then didn't sleep a whole lot that night, And uh, but still it was one of the days, one of my best Supercross races ever. What? I felt the best. I remember coming off of that race, and I was like, happy it was over but at the same time i'm like dude that felt effortless and it was such an epic race
0: was there ever a thought of not going back to the race that weekend
1: no never was no never was
2: i think um i think it is overlooked like 2007 indoors and out it would be so easy for you to have slipped off the top level a little bit, half assed it, ridden yeah. around in fifth and eighth, and then everyone would have been very sad. For you to get the results that you did and operate at the level you did, it really was the perfect way to end your career.
1: Yeah, it was. And you know, it, it's funny. So motocross and supercross is like this, in my opinion. This is how I would approach it. It's so hard to, you can't half-ass it, right? Or just come back for a one-off race, and expect to go out there and do well. Dude, if you're going to come back for one race, you might as well just go ahead and race the championship because it takes a lot of time and preparation. You want to be in rare form for, those, for that one race or whatever it might be. So, I mean, I was still doing all, a lot of the workload, still doing a lot of the workload, maybe not riding quite as much, but I was still doing a lot, still doing a lot.
0: So moving to outdoors, Again, the races you pick, you race. I think the first five rounds before you take rounds off. Mm-hmm. Why were those really the the tracks you wanted to race, or was it more the fact that you wanted to stay on your workload, your grind? Like I'm going to go. I imagine. I mean, you win those six against James. That is the final part of your career. That's so amazing <laughs> to do that again. James is just at this point coming into his, getting close to coming into his own, and then what we see what he does in '08. Just so, barely missed that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so did you just pick those so you could stay in every weekend or were those the tracks you really wanted to race?
1: Those were a lot of more the tracks that I really wanted to race for sure. Um, there was an element to it all too, where you know, I wanted to knock some of, there's a few in there that, you know, I, I, I could have done without, but uh, I had my deliverables that I needed to do and, and I wanted to knock out as many at the front end of the season as well. It just happened to work out that way that a lot of the tracks that I enjoyed racing at were at the beginning of the series.
2: You were leading the points after Red Bud, so was there pressure from Suzuki, from Fox, from someone to keep going? And My, did it ever get did it get did it ever get like tense between you?
1: Yeah, no. Never got tense at all. And I wanted to be leading the series when I departed from this stepped away from the series. I wanted to do that. I'm like, this would be awesome. And uh yeah, Raj I think Raj is bummed at me, but
0: that's okay. That was always one I wondered is if if that affected your guys' relationship, especially you win those. And then James goes out of the championship after Washougal. When you came back at Spring Creek, like, I guess this shows really how committed you were to stepping away. And this is nothing of offense to Michael S.E. Grant Langston <laughs> short. You could have just picked up after Spring Creek and we would be talking about an 11th outdoor championship with you
1: skipping races. Maybe not because then James wouldn't have got hurt, right? That's that's just how it works. Like well, Murphy's no, law, saying, right?
0: Yeah, I'm just saying like if if again if we got to Spring Creek like it just shows me your commitment cuz you came to Spring Creek, he's not there again talking to Roger, like, "Hey, let's let's just go racing next week yeah, and we've I, got this."
1: There was a little part of me who was like, "Ah, do you do it? Do you not? Now I'm going to stick to what I did." I just think it's irony, you know? Like I look back, I never regretted not coming back ever i just that's irony for you i think right? um
2: i think that the fact that you stuck to the plan and also stuck to operating at such a high level um also proves what was consistent through your career and that's for that you were mentally strong yeah. if you were going to do something you were going to do it right and you never wavered from that and that's a massive part of why you were so successful
1: thanks yeah and 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 you look at it like monetarily today um, uh, from a monetary monetary standpoint, I, wa- I wasn't. If I would have won the championship, <clears throat> I would have made some money from the title, but it wouldn't have changed my life today. The 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 eleventh championship it wouldn't have changed it wouldn't have changed my life at all monetarily. So, I mean, what really what did I have to gain? Mm-hmm. Right?
0: Of the the five of those six that you did get to race, James, which is your favorite?
1: Oh, red bud or um, yeah, red bud. Red bud was the funnest. The last one, yeah, the last one was the funnest. Yeah, we just had a great time, and um, I was I had Epstein bar at the time, so I like outside of that, I still had fun racing with him. Yeah,
2: did you feel like? spring creek was the end for you or did you feel like the nations was the end like was the nations at buds creek a bonus after the end of your career or did you look at buds creek as that was the end
1: right that was the end and and the motocross of nations was just like a little bonus yeah the the end of my proper career was definitely definitely spring creek
0: Weird question on you doing destinations in 07. was that again always the plan or did anything have to do with James being out and you wanting to support no, Team well, USA? My,
1: my main plan was motocross of nations and then finish at the uh, U.S. Open. Oh, really? Uh-huh. That was that was my main plan, and then I got because I had Epstein bar, um, I I yeah I just I couldn't race. I had to take dude. I took. Well, I was done racing at the time, but I didn't train for like six, seven months after that.
0: Well, I think I remember I've, I've talked to you about the next year or two as you started to step up in different events. I think you've mentioned to me in, in other interviews multiple times like how much days of just sitting on the couch just having no energy, like how bad that, that really was on yeah, you. Yeah, it
1: sucked. That, that's the thing. Like motocross of nations, I was so – like I couldn't even enjoy like Red Bud because I was sick. Uh, Spring Creek, even though I would won. Um, probably wouldn't have won if James was there cause I was like, yeah, I was really, really sick because of Epstein. And then, um, um, the motocross of nations, I mean, I was hanging on by a thread dude and I, I really, I shouldn't have raced that race and I couldn't even enjoy it. I felt like like at the. I remember sitting at the podium and it was hot that day. I remember sitting at the podium. This was doing everything I could do to just not lay down and pass out. I got back to my motorhome and I fell asleep instantly and I slept for an hour, so much as though like um they my, like my wife at the time um and, and even JH are like they were concerned like they're worried about me and yeah they woke me up like after sleeping for an hour and I think about this it's my last professional race.
0: It's the motocross. Motocross of, the
1: of Nations. <laughs> Nations, we win, and dude, I'm sleeping in my motorhome. Yeah, it's crazy.
2: Why the U.S. Open? Why was that on the plan?
1: Like that's that caught me off guard. Like I, I, I don't see why that, that on, would I be. I was I was honoring a uh, a commitment that I had that that I had had okay. with someone. Yeah, so.
0: When when did you decide to basically pull pull the after plug motocross nations. Went yeah, after motocross and after motocross
1: nations? I'm like, hey man, I'm not gonna be able to do this, and this these are the reasons why. Um, do you
0: have any intru- like good memories though? Still of motocross nations? Oh yeah. seven. My big one being is like, I mean, where you were on track, going from the end of your career into one of the most other mem- memorable historic moments in sport is what Villo did that day. Do you? Uh, How do you look at that race, and also what Villo
1: did? I think, um, like, I was so occupied with like how I was. I was so pumped that we had won, Uh, but that one was a a tough, tough race. I mean, I uh, just how I was uh, physically, it was just it was really a miserable race for me. I was happy for the team. I think it's awesome what Villo was was able to do, but I hadn't really, I hadn't really got to see it. And I only know what he did, and yeah, like I was just so tired and sick and just hanging on. It's like I just didn't want to let the team down. I didn't want to let the country down. Didn't want to let the team down. And and uh, yeah, I can just remember like 25 minutes in. I'm just like I couldn't, I, I couldn't even go.
0: And I can imagine you've never felt like that. Oh, an never. I mean, you got to remember,
1: career. like, yeah. I mean, imagine like I was a guy that was in great shape, never get tired, and I couldn't even do anything after 20
2: minutes. Were you struggling with Epstein Barr during Supercross van or did it come on at the start on, of so,
1: great question. I'm glad you asked that, so I can clarify it all. Is yeah, so it came on um, after the kids were born, and they were getting up like every every two to three hours, and I and we had we had nighttime nannies and stuff like that that were helping with the feedings, but I w- I just wanted to be involved, and I would still get up with them at night and help with the feedings, but then. I would answer the bell every single morning and and, and go do my training with Eldon and and Ben Townley at the time. And then I just – I was just – I got it from sleep deprivation, you know, and just deprived myself of sleep. And, uh, you know, a lot of that is on me. Um, I should have probably stood my ground a little bit more. But the stubborn part of me and me knowing that, hey, I don't have a title on the line, I'll probably be be okay – yeah, I just, I just ran myself into the ground and that's, that's how essentially I got it. I should have, should have not trained as much, got more sleep and everything would have been fine. Was there ever any thought about not doing those outdoor races? Then? No, because I wasn't a hundred percent sure that I had it. There were some discrepancies going on and, um, you know, once I finally figured it out and and took things into my own hands, yeah, I figured it out and, then I'm just like, okay, well, I'll be okay for these last couple races.
2: I guess if you had figured it out sooner, then maybe you wouldn't have been in
0: such yes. a bad way come Bud's Creek. That's right.
1: Yeah, I could have managed it managed it properly and made things a little bit better. When did you actually find out for sure that you had it? Um, Right after X Games. Remember, I raced X Games. Yeah, that's a forgotten part of this. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah.
0: I almost forgot. I would have said that was the next year. Whoops.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that was uh, X right after X Games. Right after X Games.
2: I was going to have a glass of water, but do you want me (laughs) to ask another question? No, I just genuinely think that the whole story is just amazing. Like for what you did through your career, the way that it ended, the level never slipped, the way that you kept going, even with the Epsom bar, with the birth of your children, like storybook ending is maybe overplays and maybe people say that a lot, but you must look back and just be satisfied with how it all played out because you had a plan in your mind from the moment you signed with Suzuki and it worked.
1: <laughs> it worked. It wor- it did a hundred percent. It worked like that's That's a crazy thing is like all these questions and people always ask, dude, why didn't you do this? I had already had my plan. I already had my plan and what I was going to do. And I was going to stick to it if it worked out the way it did. And it worked out perfectly. I was going to stick to it if it worked out the way I had planned it in 2004 when I signed. If Had I not checked the boxes off, maybe I would have kept going. But I checked the boxes. I'm like, okay, dude, if I can win the Supercross championship in 2005, check. Then in 2006, dude, I remember saying, if I can just win the Supercross championship on a four-stroke, check i'm done and it freaking worked out perfect
0: this ties a little bit into something that me and lewis were discussing on the way down here this morning was the way when you ended your career mm-hmm. watching james and chad maybe their career is not going the way you might have expected i mean the fact that for the, sure the, the ryan's came around um after that, and james on so i mean of the three that we've talked about in this whole story yourself james and chad reed not to say any of their career wasn't fantastic but you're the only one of the three that really probably went out in his own way, like at the top with a plan and executed it where James's got lost and Chad's kind of drug out
1: yeah i I can't I can't speak yeah I keep saying this I can't talk for those guys but their careers didn't end the way end the way that I thought they were going to end um I've I've told James this and I feel this. Uh, I feel like, and I think that uh, I've heard his dad say this. Big James is like, I feel like when I retired, a part of James retired. I really truly believe that, and I don't. I I just feel like I don't know if he respected the guys like he respected me. Um, I know it's kind of weird to say that. I know he did respect those guys, but I just feel like he wasn't the guy. That he was when he raced me.
0: I would be very curious. Not that his OA championship isn't amazing, but really in the heart of heart, what does that mean for him compared to just winning races against you because of the competitive? Yeah, injury? I don't it know. Would be a very yeah, like one.
1: right. It's just it, it's different. We touched about it a little bit on his podcast, but I didn't really get into the weeds with him about it. Um, and then as far as Chad goes. Uh, I never as as fierce of a competitor as that guy was, and as how much he hated racing. I never thought that I would see him string out his career as long as he did, and be okay with not winning. I guess, right? That... Like, I just I don't think James. I I don't think James' career ended the way I thought it would. I thought they were going to have kind of like career career ending moments, like like what I did, you know? Like I thought they were going to go out winning and. That really wasn't the case. I guess looking
0: back on them, I would say James's doesn't surprise me as much as Chad's because there is some really old interviews where James always said the day he retired, he would walk away and basically say nothing. Um, they're old, but I do remember and I have found them where yes, Chad's because of his mentality, I would say Chad's almost surprises me a little bit more than James's. If you told me James had some weird thing where he didn't race on off a year because of injuries and other stuff, it's like, okay, James crashing out sending it kind of doesn't surprise me as much like it it sort of matches up a little more where yeah chad's is just like i don't get it
1: yeah uh, like i actually would do i would i had to work on myself a little bit with with chad and how he stopped racing like i mean real competitively you know like i just kept like i would get pissed you know i'm like dude what in the hell are you doing you know, like, why are you doing this? And, but then I had to, but, but talking with him, I had to kind of shift my thinking a little bit and be like, okay, well, it's a different approach for him now. You know, like he's enjoying the racing aspect of it and what comes along with racing and the technical side of things. And, what the motorcycle does, what the motorcycle doesn't do, what does this change do? And like, it was more about truly the process rather than going out and winning. And once I was able to work that out with myself on, uh, on his way he was handling it, then I, then I'm, I'm like, okay, but still doesn't make it, I still don't, it still didn't end the way I thought it would.
2: This is kind of like an overarching question, which kind of covers the whole thing we've talked about. How much did the end of 2003 affect your relationship with Chad, your relationship with him as a person and also as a competitor?
1: Um, No, it didn't affect it. It didn't affect it in a negative way. It's more in a positive way. I got a great relationship with Chad. We've had some great times together, 100%. Um, I mean, for sure, we hated each other. And um we were really, really competitor, uh really, really competitive as you know, in our tribal. Uh, but at the same time I think one thing that we always had and, and even for James, you know, like myself and James, I think we all there was a mutual mutual respect. And that's what made these rivalries so fun.
0: Well, I think it's about time for us to get done. I think you have a lunch to go to, but thank you for your time and uh, a lot of the conversations we joked about. You said getting off in the weeds. Well, clearly, as you can see, me and Lewis love to be off in the weeds for two hours Those on a year or two. So, <laughs>
2: I, I have one thing to say before you end. What's that? Um, there have been three moments in this interview where I have literally almost passed out. I have had physical goosebumps <laughs> to the point of like, what was it? What was it? Um, the, well, the one that I very nearly had to take myself away was when you said about O um, six Vegas. Yeah. And you spotted Chad with his um hand his, with his head on the oh, bars because yeah. yep. that was I that took me to your mentality on that night, which I've always oh. wondered about, and I was like,
0: "I'm looking through the helmet, looking at Chad over next to me. Yeah, doing like that, I um, I almost passed out.
2: Right. And also, it's always been a life goal of mine to talk about San Diego 2005 with he you and Chad because yeah. San Diego 05
0: is my race. Yes, so yes. this has
2: been um I can that's cool. I can
0: vanish now happy
1: (laughs) so when i say get
0: off in the weeds if i put you if i put lewis yourself and chad in a room he can produce a two-hour podcast off 05 san diego i'm convinced not just me me and ac oh yeah we bonded over this really ac AC
2: said because i said to ac because he loves bar to bar and all of that sort of stuff i said to him like oh san diego 05 is my race and he just went he said that when chad passed you he cried
1: (laughs) yeah that's hilarious
2: (laughs) Oh, dude, I love that guy. He's a great guy. But no, this has, this has genuinely been amazing. And I think that, as we were saying, I genuinely feel that 2005, 2006, 2007 have always been neglected a little bit when people have done your career story. So I'm glad that we
1: dived into fun. that part. It was fun. And the level of competitiveness and, the, and, and just how... I, I wish that the guys today could have been on the line with this when you think about it. It just... You know, there's a lot of camaraderie between the the racers these days, and um, back then it would we'd be sit, sitting as close as we are here in this podcast, and it wouldn't even we wouldn't even look at each other, talk to each other, anything like that. We're just, it was true competitiveness, and not that it isn't today, but completely different. But uh, it was a fun time to be a part of the sport.
0: Off you go. Oh my God! I'm I think done. It's Sorry off. for interrupting. You can end. <laughs> it's all. It's time for all of us to go. But thank you again, Ricky, for your thank time. You. Thank us for us deep dive. Uh, yes. three specific years again that really I think shaped myself and lewis's uh view of the sport and i think can i can speak for both of us when i say it's probably a big part of the reason why we're both sitting here is is journalists and we follow the sport as closely as we do so thanks for the trip down uh thanks our childhood memories it
1: it, it it means a lot means a lot and i'm glad that i could have a positive impact on you guys and you guys do a great job and it's cool to see uh see your growth keep up the good work and thanks for having me and i hope everyone enjoys this